and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. Hello, I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And I'm Huck, like Huckleberry. We've got Huck on the episode, or on the pod again. I think this is, you've been on a few times before, like this is your third time, I think? This is my third time. I know one was, I did, for Galaxy Truck, Gal- Galaxy yeah, the Bond? Galaxy the Galaxy Trucker game that's not <laughs> called Galaxy Trucker, yeah. whatever it's actually called. Galaxy Run, I think. Yeah. Matrix of Mistralia. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mistralia. yeah. So this will right. be your fourth, because you were also on and for Doom. Doom. And Doom. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Doom. Yeah, I forgot about okay. <laughs> I forgot about Mages of Mistralia. <laughs> that was 2016 Doom, right? That was... no. yeah. yeah, that was 2016 Doom. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so this will be your fourth uh, pod fourth, episode. Fourth. The most guested guest. I will I'll I get think. it right one of these times, I swear. <laughs> Unless you count Thano, I guess. Well, um, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't, know I don't think he counts as a guest. He was <laughs> like a, a fixture, uh, even if he was only a fixture for a little... He's a, a fixture in our heart. Yes, Thanos. he is. Um, yes. Yeah, what all have you been up to the past few weeks? That's a good question. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I play. I you you were there. I do a lot of D and D these days. Yes, that's true. You have a new you have a new turtle character. I have a new character that I'm that I'm that I'm working out the paces on, and I'm There's in the last chapter. Turtle man. The, yeah. T- tortoise. Tortoise. Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I'm in the last chapter of the campaign that I DM too. Finally. Nice. I actually, I actually have started. It's not. We're not doing D and D, but we're doing. Um, we're doing a tabletop campaign with a f- couple friends out here, um, which I, I like le- legit have not done in like probably a decade. Had enough friends that are like local to do that, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, I do it all electronically now, anyway. And if when, if and when, and I hope to someday go back to you know actually having people around a table. But boy, I don't know what I'm gonna do with map tool without map tools. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I'm a map tools. Def- I'm a map tools advocate. It is the most obscure of the VTTs, but it's got a couple of abilities that just that will just save your ass Dang. that other VTTs don't have. Uh, what what system are you doing, Kelso? We are doing. Um, is it? Hang on, I gotta I gotta look up the name. Uh, it's World Worlds Without Number, which is uh-huh. the uh, if you if you're familiar with Stars Without Number, it's like the more fantasy focused version of that. Um, I mean, I don't I don't DM. Our friend Nick DMs, um, and he's pretty good. We um, tried that briefly. Uh, I, I tried Stars Without mm-hmm. briefly, uh, and then we switched to a White Wolf, a White Wolf product uh, for that setting. Stars Without Number was not the setting where that guy made that like sentient octopus character, was it? No, that that's Eclipse Face. Okay. God help us, Carl. Carl, do you play any uh, uh, tabletop no. roleplay RPGs? No. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. No, Carl. Carl likes to go outside and do things like disc golf. Yeah, Carl has <laughs> has real boy hobbies. He's not. A, he's not a cave. He's not a cave nerd. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I understand. Um, it's it's unfortunate though because uh, tabletop has a couple key affordances. That that I think people people should always experience. I just hate um, role playing. Oh, I would be prohibitive. Yeah, that's that's kind of you have to enjoy playing a role. 
Um, I'm going to make a pithy comment about uh, the game we just played, uh, but I'll, I'll save that for later. Um, yeah, I have... Uh, I've been having some new media going on lately. Um, I've finally gotten into season two of the Fruits Basket reboot, um, which I watched like most of the original Fruits Basket back in the day. And I was like, meh, this is kind of like slow and not that interesting. Uh, But then now I've been like working my way through the reboot. And man, starting in season two, things kind of like go hard like it takes a turn for the kind of dark um they start getting into a lot more detail of like everyone's really traumatic backstories i'm like oh okay um that's not what i expected from fruits basket but that's fine Uh, i'll be honest fruits basket is one of those that like i i could recognize an image of it like i've seen enough images of like the manga and of the anime but i do not know anything about it. Yeah, it is. It is recognized. It is ubiquitous. It is ubiquitous yeah. anime. Yeah, it's uh the basic premise is that it's a. Uh, there's this one girl, and she like ends up moving in to this house with these like mysterious boys who are part of this like big clan called the Soma family, and it turns out that certain members of the Soma family. Uh, turn into animals when a member of the opposite sex hugs them. Um, Specifically, there's like one person for each of the 12 Zodiac animals, plus the cat. Um, And so she's sort of like, they, their, their whole like weird turning into animals thing actually comes with like a weird tragic backstory curse. So it means that like all of them have pretty fucked up childhoods. Um, and so, yeah, she's, like, learning about all of them and helping them through their trauma. And uh, it's also kind of a, you know, there's two main guys, which one will she choose sort of yeah. <laughs> romance triangle thing. Yeah, I should say in, 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 in passive media, I have I, I did watch a Hulu series that uh, I'm not sure I recommend to people, but I enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it's called The, the, uh, the Terror. Uh, you know, I watched like one episode of that, and I thought it was good. Does it does it go downhill? It does not go downhill. Uh, oh, um, so hold on. The series quality remains good. In fact, it gets if you watch the first episode of the. All right, let me clarify just a little bit because it can get really confusing. The terror, the t- the Hulu series is an anthology series, so each season is its own is its own animal. But season one of The Terror, colon, The Terror, is what I'm talking about. Okay. And that's that's uh, uh, the TV version of a book by Dan Simmons, uh, which is a fictionalization of the disastrous Franklin expedition. Which uh, is a real thing. Which is a real thing that happened. Um, one of a great, uh, not, not a great many, but one of several attempts to find the Northwest Passage. Uh, if you're familiar with that. Um, and Dan Simmons added a horrible supernatural monster to it, um, which is unnecessary to explain the expedition's disaster. It was a fundamentally stupid idea to begin with, as most explorations of the Northwest Passage A bunch were. of people drove a ship up to the Arctic and got stuck in the ice, <laughs> because what were you fucking expecting? That's, that's yeah. what happens, yeah. As, yeah. as the locals will tell you, as the Inuit will tell you, 
uh, you will, you will, you absolutely die. Yeah, don't <laughs> fucking do that. This place, this place is is death without massive preparation. And and when like the way that the way that I learned from researching around, it, found out the way that the Inuit do it is they have stashes of food and supplies all over the place. So so you can travel around in the in the in the polar region. And that's how you, how you can do that. That's how you can get out to hunt the whales. But they could have told they could have told the Englishmen how bad an idea what they were doing was. Um, but fair, uh, do you think the Englishmen Englishmen would have listened? Absolutely not. Absolutely yep. not. Um, the, 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 they did. They were in fact informed of this. But uh, the 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 TV series is a little plays a little fast and loose in in assigning um, some of the members of the expedition the ability to speak Netflix. That's like Inuit, uh, which is not true of the of the actual expedition. It was possible for them to get translators, but they did, just didn't bring any. Um, but the other thing that's cool about the TV series is they took Dan Simmons' supernatural monster and ran with it. And I love this monster. It's just a, it's a great it's Jaws, but a polar bear. Oh. Uh, but it also they really leverage the uncanny valley thing. They give it kind of a human face. They give it human teeth. Uh, uh, and that that actually makes it worse. That makes it a more um, and I, I just I, I love that. It's it's like they they make they make it work really well. Plus they made a really cool puppet to to do its face. Nice. I just looked up pictures and I I hate it. I hate the, this the so box, much. <laughs> yeah, isn't it cool? Did you see the one with its tongue hanging out the, with the puppet, where the guy is standing behind it and it's like this four foot tall puppet that yeah. is dead? Oh yeah, they I mean, do. That's super. That's super cool that they like actually built that. Wow. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm a huge sucker for practical effects. It, it is, yeah. So so anytime it's in in close up, they used it's mostly a CG monster, but then again, mostly you don't see it because that's what they're doing. They're doing the jaws thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know when its mouth is closed, it looks kind of just like a pit bull. <laughs> yeah, they never they don't let you like you'd have to freeze frame to see that. Yeah, to to catch that yeah, mostly, and it's always shot through smoke or uh, fog or blowing snow. Yeah. So, yeah, they're doing the Jaws thing where it's it's scarier because you don't you don't see it as much or you don't they don't ever show all of it in frame until very late in the series, which is another great thing. Um, so this is what happens when you when you severely inbreed polar bears, just <laughs> smashed and slammed. Book, uh, and there's some weird. Sam Simmons has some weird cosmology explanation for it that I'll eventually get to, but <laughs> I find it I find it unnecessary. I find the monster. And it's metaphorical, like it's it's didactic importance. I find it, I find it of of, of value. Uh, it is not necessary to explain the actual fate of the expedition. It's, we don't know exactly why, but we do know what act, pretty much what happened to them. Uh, they got stuck in the ice and they tried to walk out, and they died because you can't do that. You can't carry a man cannot, no matter what technology he has, cannot under his own power move su- sufficient supplies to go eight hundred miles. Mm-hmm. You can't. You cannot do that. The Inuit can do that, but they do that by having stashes along the way. You know, yeah, they by have planning, but by, by planning <laughs> and also by doing very yeah. uh, somewhat, somewhat uh, to us in the West repulsive things to secure supplies of vitamin C uh, in meat. Yeah. But it works. It will keep you from dying of. It beats dying from scurvy. So yeah. Uh, so that was that was the, the the big push. There was a good enough series that I went back to get the book, and the book is a little. I have mixed feelings about the book, but uh, I haven't finished it yet, so I shouldn't pass judgment. Yeah. Um. 
And the other, <clears throat> the other new uh, piece of media that I just started watching last night, which I want to share just because the premise is so funny to me, um, is I just learned there is uh, an animated version of uh, Scum Villains Self-Saving System, which is the first uh, book by the author who wrote The Untamed. Um, and the premise of it is kind of wild. The idea is that there's this, like, really cheesy, cliche, like, poorly written web novel about um, this, like, martial artist character who is, you know, he's the once in a generation, like, you know, million, one in a million, like, talent. And uh, uh, as a kid, he's, like, uh, abused by his terrible martial arts master. And then he, like, becomes really strong and defeats a bunch of demons and, like, gets the girl and uh, ends up taking revenge on the, the master who punished him. So there's this guy who's reading this book and hates it and thinks it's horrible and super cliche. And then he dies uh, and, like, suddenly appears in the world of the novel. Uh, only he's in the position of the bad guy, the, like, terrible martial arts master. Um, and he, like, has to uh, change the story enough to avoid getting, like, the horrible comeuppance that his character gets at the end. But there's also, like, rules in place where that keep him from being too out of character, so he has to try and do it in, like, a subtle way. Which is like a bizarre premise for a book, but it's actually it's it comes out pretty hilarious. There's that, some good comedy. I like that. Like if if you're gonna do if you're gonna do like an isekai type of story, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Honestly, that's that's I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. Nice. Yeah. So I'm I'm not very far into it, and there's not very much of it because only like the first season has been released, and who knows if later seasons will be released because there's like some crazy censorship crackdown stuff going down in uh oh yeah there in is. china right now and all mm -hmm. all future bl series uh that are not currently in production i think have been canceled um so it's yeah there's there's yeah. some there's some question about whether this author is like even like still at large or in prison yeah. cuz nobody's heard from her in a few years so yeah, I was reading something. I was reading a bit about the the you know new newly mandated censorship um, measures in China. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, not surprising. Yeah. No. No but... one's ever tried that before. Gee. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I I have no no more confidence in in this regime's approach. I shouldn't get into politics, but I suspect that it's that there's a pattern. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, um, you know, I, I like this author very much. All three of her works are like pretty great. And I've, you know, been watching a bunch of the adaptations. So I hope that she's OK, basically, is what it comes down to. Yeah, that's always I mean, that is always like it's 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 one thing to joke about how how like oh they're backward censorship but then it's like oh wait they're actually like putting people in prison uh, yeah. and that's real not cool yeah and uh that she's got there are official english translations coming out of all three novels this december so i've i've pre-ordered them in the hopes that you know like <laughs> we want to support this as much as possible just to uh 
so that you know there's some indication that these these works are supported outside of China at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but you know, as I say, the the animation of uh, Scum Villain is not um, great. It's like 3D CG animation that looks like the sort of cheaper kids shows these days. Yeah. Um, but the but the the voice acting is good and the the story is quite funny. So I think it's uh, so far it's been fun to watch. I don't think if I've done anything else. Uh, Did you start I, Psychonauts too? I yeah I've I haven't finished it yet. I'm like okay. I want to say I'm getting close. I downloaded it like right after we were recording last time, uh-huh. and I have not started it yet. <laughs> it's 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 good. I will say it. I feel like it has sort of fallen into the same pattern where like the first handful of levels are really really strong and then it kind of gets weaker towards the back half of the game but it's still enjoyable um interesting started started playing a little bit of the um demon souls remake um i'm still i mean i'm not good at it but i am just doing a um like a pure soul arrow build so i'm getting through it um a little bit I, i think the point of of the souls games is lost if you're good at them that's yeah. That's probably I think fair. The developers would be disturbed. Um, nah, there are people who speed run that shit, and it's amazing. There are. I yeah. think. I think that. I think that uh, at all times that 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 you can either be bad at the games or you can be good at being bad at the games. Uh, I think that's the that's kind of what uh, from studios is is going for. Yeah. That being said, I am I am doing um, a a basically a pure soul arrow build, which is like pure cheese. Um, it's it's soul arrow is like really overpowered in demon souls, so um, spells have never been I balanced. Which they yeah, spells have never been balanced in souls games. Do remind me, there is one other thing I've been doing uh, recently. I, I finally got around to playing uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, which has a couple design things that I'm impressed with enough to enough to make me consider relaxing my policy on purchasing Ubisoft games. Um, he got real mad about Far Cry 5. Far Cry 5 made me fur- it makes me furious. That's to the point fair. where I'm not going to get I'm not going to get into it right now. But <laughs> the thing is um, the the writing in in Odyssey is just about the opposite. It's it's just it's done really well. Uh, the it's very clear you can play you can play a character of you can play Either there's this brother and sister pair, and you can play either one of them. But I learned recently that um, the fact that you can play the brother it was a late addition to the game. Some new executive came in and said, "No, no, no, our, our players won't be able to emphasize with empathize or or uh, associate with a, a female protagonist." Um, nevertheless, it's the argument, and yeah, it's always stupid. Yeah, it's dumb. Uh, it's really dumb. Yeah. And, and Cassandra is the right character. For the for the setting, she's she's extremely well written. Uh, I haven't finished the game yet, so maybe I shouldn't pass judgment on it. But I'm not sure if I'm going to. I've I've completed sufficient of it uh, to feel that I've played the game. It they made a, they made Greece. They made miniature Greece, all of it, or not just not just Greece, but like miniature Mediterranean circles um, with all the with the, with the islands, and they committed hard to that. And it the results are good. They also made it so you can climb everything. 
which is a major design challenge. Best, best thing to have in a video game, the ability climb, to climb everything. Climb everything. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, there are a couple specific exceptions, but they're, they're very limited. That's uh, my favorite thing about uh, the Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance, is they give you like some weird acrobatics that let you climb things, and you can just climb everything, and it's amazing. So I like that. I like that Warframe does that, but the problem is that Warframe has a bunch of legacy areas that they never got around to fixing for for full parkour mode. So there's like a few places where there's a death plane above a map that you can. That you so can, if you climb too high, you just yeah, die. You skid into it, yeah. Or or where there's like a there's a there's a protrusion of, and it's it's not actually a death plane. You don't die. It's a like a pit. Uh, pits don't cause you to die. They they uh, reset you back to a a good mm -hmm. safe location but in in certain play modes that can be death because it turns off all your stuff mm. but um but yeah there's a few legacy areas uh that predate the the parkour system that that is in the game uh that they just don't seem to want to get around to fixing well i'm sure they want to they probably just have other priorities i suppose it, I mean, it, I know in, in my company, there's like a ton of software stuff that we want to fix. <laughs> That's like yeah. real low on the list. That that would be that would be the case, except that the game is always in development. And these problems are old. These problems are five years old. Yeah, that doesn't matter. <laughs> like the older the problem, the more you know that people are used to living with it. So the more it slides down on the priority list. It is, it is definitely. That's what I'm saying. They they're not all that interested in fixing it. They, they've not prioritized these fixes. And that's sort of okay. Um, like I don't, I don't have a huge objection to it, except when it happens uh, in, like, when I'm like skipping along a wall in Steel Path, and I run into uh, a reset collider in the ceiling that, right, that in the game at this time has no reason to be there. Um, it's not just a plane; it's a, it's a geometry that sticks down. There's a couple maps where there's geom reset geometry colliders that stick down, that protrude into the map from above. So there are these weird stalactites. There are these weird <coughs> invisible stalactites. Or is it stalagmites? The ones that go down. Oh, stalactites. Stalact right there's the these weird time. stalactites of reset that are in open air, you know? But um, but the mobility uh, in the game uh, makes me think of, of, of slow motion and also of what they're going for with Titanfall, uh, what they got to with Titanfall. Uh, the original, the motion, the, the sort of parkour motion was developed around the same time, too. Um, there's a really good segue from that into the game we played this week, but, uh, does yeah. anybody else have any, like, final, like, what have you been playing slash watching this week first? I've been playing Titanfall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Great segue, Carl. <laughs> uh, yeah, we played Titanfall 2, specifically, yeah. specifically the single player campaign of Titanfall 2. Uh, I, I feel the, that, yeah, I feel that we need to to emphasize that. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's uh, that yeah. we don't we don't like. I mean, I guess there's no reason why we couldn't uh, review a, a multiplayer game on this podcast, um, like a you know dedicated versus multiplayer. But so far, I don't think we have ever. Yeah, uh, I there... mean, I think the real reason that we do, we don't is because God, I just don't want to. <laughs> Have to play a yeah, none of, most of us don't like it. <laughs> Carl might be okay, but the reason yeah. not yeah, the reason not to review such a game is that it would require it would require us to play it. And at this point, I'm all PVE myself. I used to play competitive multiplayer a lot. I don't now. 
I don't like kind of what it does to me. Yeah. Uh, also, like the the cultures around a lot of multiplayers are pretty like not fun to be in. So yeah. unless it's something where you're like specifically gathering friends to do a specific thing, um, well, it's, well, it's kind of fraught. Yeah. P PVE multiplayer is where I'm at now. I I, I enjoy that very much. And to be fair, uh, Titanfall did. Uh, for free, long after launch, add a PVE mode uh, to mm. four multiplayer to eight players too, which is on you know pretty healthy number. Uh, but I I'm encouraged. Uh, I I I I feel that it's important advocacy for us to review the single player campaign uh, because though small, I think it's very good. And also, I would very much like to encourage Respawn to make more of them. Uh, uh, Titanfall after Apex Legends, I don't believe they were going to. <laughs> Uh, but ah, but did you play um, Jedi Fallen Order? No, that is a single player only experience. And Ev, Ev um, has played Fallen Order, and he really, really has enjoyed it. I have heard um, no ill spoken of of Fallen Order, and it's a respawn game. They know how to do this. Yeah, it's one of those games that is definitely on my list after hearing of yeah. um, the, wax poetic about it. That that's why I want I want them I want more. Titanfall single player content. I think it's worth it. I think they could make money doing it. And they the thing that's that's a little upsetting to me about Respawn is that they, unlike certain other companies uh that have focused really heavily on their post-launch uh monetization and the multiplayer of their game, Respawn very obviously and clearly retains the ability to make excellent single player content. Uh, and um, I, I well, we'll we'll that. we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll see if everybody agrees. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Titanfall Two is. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the the developer is Respawn Entertainment, uh, published as as mentioned by EA, uh, originally released in October of 2016. So it's like five years old now. Um, almost uh, like coming up on exactly actually like another month and a half. Um, and yeah, the single player campaign is like five to ten hours of gameplay, depending on how good you are at it. Um, and it is, I, I, I hesitate to call it like a, a narrative because like the story is about as, um, bare there's, bones. There's <laughs> yeah. exactly as much story as there needs to be. To yeah. get you in the robot, yeah, to string to to <laughs> string together a, a a series of set pieces. Yep, they had great ideas. They had like four, three or four great ideas for an environment to play in, and they used they they generated a, a sufficient narrative to get you into those kinda. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, it's a it's a thing. There's a war. You're you know part of the rebel faction. Um, you're studying to pilot a giant robot. Uh, you don't start with a giant robot, but then the guy teaching you giant robot skills dies and gives you his giant robot. Then you spend a while piloting a giant robot. Uh, then you find the big weapon that your enemy has, and you destroy the big weapon that your enemy has. <laughs> that's the whole story. Pretty good, yeah. That's yeah. and and that's that's not. Uh, I, I'm not there. I'm not there for the for the narrative. Uh, I'm I'm pleased that they bothered to include one at all. Um. And in, in a larger sense, that 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 kind of reflects back on the game because people who purchased Titanfall two overwhelmingly did not purchase it for the campaign. The campaign was 
all probably superfluous. So, so if if remind me if this is correct, but Titanfall one did not have a Titanfall one has campaign. no single player campaign, and to my yeah. knowledge, it has so, no it has no co op mode either. Yeah. So people who people who enjoyed Titanfall one and it made them want to get Titanfall two had no basis for even consideration of what a single player campaign would be. Correct. And their their press, their media focus did not focus on the campaign very much. At least that that which I was exposed to, mm-hmm. uh, which was a little. Um, they didn't focus on the the single player campaign, so there are there have been a few times where I've kind of been scratching my head and wondering why uh, Respawn bothered because it, it's pretty clear that they worked on it and you know that they brought considerable development attention to the campaign, even though it is short. So the um, the the I would say that the level design is quite quite far and away the best part of the Titanfall 2 campaign. There is some really cool mm-hmm. level design and some really nice set pieces yeah, um, I, and I just, just like some some cool stuff going on there. Yes. It's, it's my suspicion that the level design was influential as well of other of other titles. And uh, so the again, which is weird. Yeah. So the the sequences um, you start on sort of an alien planet. There's a bunch of like, you know, wandering as you're without your giant robot around like a natural world type um environment and into some wreckage uh in and out of some wreckages to get batteries for your giant robot um then you start then you start piloting a giant robot you do a little bit of fighting you go to a big old factory and lose your giant robot you do a bunch of parkour um, you leave the factory. I should probably have a walkthrough. I actually don't remember like a bunch of the sequence. I remember uh, all of the, the all of the elements of the game, but um, my not problem the is order that they're in. not the order they're in because I just sort of I've, I've fired it up and played it in in you know me... just whatever, whatever seems cool. Yeah, let me look and let me just pull up. I had a okay. guide. I had a guide that I wasn't following. I just had it up so that I knew like where I was in the game. Um, and now. Yeah, so I think the after the uh, after the factory, I think is where you go to the place the 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 level that like got a, got me onto this game in the first place, which is the, the time, time travel, travel. stuff, yeah. Um, yeah. which which lived up to the hype. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, uh, and not in the way I was expecting, but uh, but I enjoyed that level a lot. Um, the, the, the 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 I think I think since it's an action focused game, I'd like to raise the the parkour. Uh, so well, let's just, let's go yeah. through all the levels first, okay, and then so we'll, we'll talk ahead. specific uh, mechanics. Um, yeah, after the time travel bit, then you are um, going through a few different locations in order to power up like a giant satellite. Yes, beacon, yes. so that you can radio back to you know your your leader. Um, I was completely unclear of the story at that point. I'm like, I don't understand why I'm doing any of this, but I'll just follow the beacon. So, um, yeah. So yeah, you do the like big satellite stuff. Uh, then you then you do the like parkouring between like moving airplanes. I think. Uh, we, we missed we missed a segment. You 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 did hopped. A, you did you did you hopped a a, a segment you. The uh, the self assembling uh, suburbia. That's the factory sequence. Okay, I, I I I got there. That was like one of the first ones. Yeah. Um. The. Yeah. 
Um, I think I think factory doesn't quite do it justice. Yeah, we'll 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 get there. I want to I want to do a few of the set pieces in more depth, uh, individually. But um, yeah. So then you're hopping between planes, and then yeah, I think you just end yeah, up basically in the final facility. To, yeah, like the you after the beacon, like you're basically trying to like chase the MacGuffin, um, and then you get the MacGuffin, and then you lose the MacGuffin. And then you destroy the 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 big uh, the big weapon that the evil boys are trying to use to destroy your planet. Yeah, I will say for all the talk of like a bare bones story, like it's it's made it's made well. Yeah, yeah, like it's Absolutely. not it's not that it's uh, you it's know not, it's not like ridiculous. Yeah, it but feels... it's very. It feels it's like very what you standard. Expect. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. It's about yeah. as bog standard war narrative as you can possibly get. And it's fine. Like I'm not I rolled my eyes at the very beginning because it opens with a like pilots are so cool and they're like really graceful and you, they're like a one man army and they're the best and I I'm like I get it. You have a hard on for pilots like moving on, <laughs> right? Like it's this very like glory of warfare sort of opening sequence and I'm like this does not bode great but like for the most part the story doesn't get in your way yeah there are a few times where I would have liked slightly better justification for what I was doing like I, I really didn't understand a lot of what the hell was going on with the like satellite moving stuff um, and like the the thing at the end when you blow up the weapon it feels like the game just like really abruptly ends after yeah. that um but you know overall i would say yeah it's like a it's a perfectly functional narrative for the thing it's doing which is stringing together a bunch of cool levels yeah, yeah I think... gameplay ideas and that was yeah that's enough yeah i think my biggest my biggest narrative gripe is that it seemed like they were trying really hard to assemble um, like a like a cool rogues gallery of here are the other pilots that you have to fight, <laughs> and they all just kind of sucked and were boring, um, yeah. and had stupid accents. Yeah, um, one of them one of them had a cool mask, and that's about all I remember. She had a, she had a cool mask and like robot legs too. Yeah, she's yeah. an AI. I think she's an AI. I think she's an android. Oh, okay. Maybe. I think I don't know either that or she's or or she's mostly like she's full cyborg. But yeah, I, think, I, I think the idea is that she's tell. Yeah. Uh, It's weird, the idea of an AI driving a robot that is another AI. Yeah. And, yeah. and like, machine at that point, you don't really need to get in the robot, even. I mean, um, she does have a line about, like, what, I can't have fun while I work? Which doesn't feel very androidy, but whatever. She, yeah. Maybe she's in a very advanced android that likes to have fun. Play. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also presented that, like, the AI has, like, feelings. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, well, I think I, I, there was one of the things I like about the characterization of BT is that they, they figured out, they have good writers, they know how to make him with minimum tools. BT uh, being your giant robot yeah, you're, for people you're robot. who uh, have not played the game. BT 7274. Uh, seven, yep. um, they make him a sympathetic and relatable character, so it's a big deal when he's in danger, but they never make it, um, they never make him pointlessly emotional. Yeah, he's got that kind of like Spock charm going on where he's like 
he can be like overly literal sometimes and you know very like logically oriented but he's kind of like a fun fun to play off of sort of dialogue like the lines the lines where you talk to bt are probably like i think my favorite part of the writing so the other thing that i took away when i was talking to bt and when he is logical and, and mathematical and literal is that i i was never sure that he doesn't that he isn't being ironic that he isn't that he isn't joking there is definitely yeah there is definitely an element of that um yeah. so and, I, yeah, yeah. And sometimes you can joke with BT and it's like he, you know, does it, does it get the joke? Does it not get the joke? Eh, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I, they gave it, they left it negative capability. They left enough negative capability in his character to, to give the idea, give rise to the idea that he understands the concept of humor. Like to the point where he has his own sense of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's good. And that... Ironically, the, the reason I, I like that they that they that they soft pedaled that that they low played that is because that would actually be a plausibly useful thing for a Warmack to develop. Yeah. Also, like, rapport I, with I think if they'd, especially with that, like maybe slightly ironic tone, I think if they'd done too much of the dialogue between the two, it could have gotten like pretty tedious pretty fast. Um, but they don't. They just sprinkle it in throughout, so you get like you know an occasional line to break up the the focus uh, on what you're doing, and and that's fine. I think it's again, it's very serviceable. They also they also did a good job of making him uh, like physically of making the BT character um, sufficiently expressive without overdoing it. They gave him uh, one eye that has lids kind of uh and just by moving that that sort of eye around they give him sufficient expression yeah and not that you, not that you spend a bunch of time staring at his face but yeah and and it also it is also kind of cool when you are not you know in, in piloting um it, he just kind of walks around and like does his own thing to to an extent mm -hmm. um which and is, helps you which out is cool which is yeah which is good yeah yeah uh, he, he, the the extent of his his participation is 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 well is well supported. I like how he picks you up when you when you go to when you board. Yeah, yeah. Like he just grabs you, stuffs you into his chest. You know, I, I like that. Um, I, it's something about that. You know, just just really. I, I don't know why that works so well for me, but it's cool. No, it's yeah. I mean, it makes it it makes it feel like a more, um, like it's there's more of a participatory aspect of being the war mech um, where it's not just being piloted it is actively assisting you yeah it doesn't um, even just yeah. open the hatch and wait for you to jump in like, well, yeah. you get in which is a play mechanic but i guess we'll we'll talk about those yeah i was gonna say like if we want to if we want to move on to individual mechanics next you want to discuss the so i guess like the main things to cover are like the the shooting the mech combat and the parkour. I feel like those are the sort of main mechanics. And we could cover the like one-off mechanics, uh, like the time travel thing when we when we talk about the individual set pieces. But mm -hmm. um, so do you want to talk about the parkour first then? I mean we can. We probably should because that's the first mechanic they introduce. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's wall running, uh, which I guess I guess is, is parkour, especially the way they do it. And uh double jumping and motion assist i'm not sure to this day i'm not sure if you can take fall damage in that game 
I don't think you can. No, you can't. Mm-mm. Yeah, At least yeah. I never took fall damage. Yet. And uh, they say it in the story. Yeah, I was gonna say there's one there's one part where you have to make a particularly big jump where I'm guessing I'm guessing playtesting data and people not wanting to like people being worried about the jump leads to a line where they're like, Don't worry, like your you know compensators can handle it or whatever the, the line is. Yeah, and I, I bet that's a that was a result of like a bunch of people going like, Oh well I can't jump down there, I'll die from fall damage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think in multiplayer it, it might be possible to take uh, impact damage of some kind. I, I'm not sure. I didn't I didn't play it very much, but yeah, the the um, they do have death pits. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I fell down a lot of them. Yeah. Same. Yeah, uh, and there there was a control issue that you kind of bumped into, Kitty, uh, where the jump it's the way the jump kit works coming off a wall run is a little unintended. Oh yeah, if you don't. Yeah. If you don't jump before the end of the run, if you let the run just end naturally, you don't get a second jump in your double jump. Yeah. And during the jump tutorial, I like there was a wall that I failed at like ten times in a row before I realized the, like what was going on. Before basically Huck stepped over and was like, "Oh no no no, you have to jump earlier." Yeah, I'm like okay. Because well, I I remember having problems with that when I first played the game years ago, uh, but I couldn't remember why, and so I watched close and I saw oh. She's letting she's slipping off the wall, which deprives you of your first jump. Your first jump, so to speak, is you kicking off the wall. Um, and that and that was that was weird that they didn't telegraph that well. I should say, uh, Kitty, I'm not sure if that's if that if that counts as the tutorial, does it? Because the game opens with a VR sequence. Yeah, I guess that's true. But the VR sequence, like they, um... yeah, I guess you're right. I guess they technically they teach. They teach wall running and double jumping in that sequence. So yeah, but they, they they don't just drop you in. That's the thing. The 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 following level also is clearly scaffolding. Yeah, it's it's, it's like getting to... you to practice the thing. They have one uh, sort of nice feature, um, which feels can can occasionally feel a little bit condescending, but overall I think is a good thing. Which is if you stand by an area where you're supposed to do a complex wall run and jump maneuver for long enough. It like scans it and it's like, hey, we're like putting together a ghost runner that will just like you can just play it and then it will demonstrate for you the path that we want you to take. And and I want to I want to touch on that for, for a second, because um, this is this is one of the sort of quality things that that makes I, that I'm I applaud Respawn for doing because a lot of a lot of sequels in Titanfall situation would just come in presuming that you played the first game and not teach you this stuff. I don't know if that's true, um, especially since the first game was multiplayer only. Right, exactly. But um, but the point is, uh, the single player assumes that you've never played a Titanfall game before. And and I like that. That's good. Yeah, um, I would think that's... I would hope that's, like, industry standard at this point, is that, yeah. like, games can't assume that you played previous uh, editions of the game. Yeah. Yeah, or pre- uh, previous iterations in the franchise. I should say I did play a Titanfall when I was in the beta, uh, but I did not actually get Titanfall one and play it. So <laughs> Ooh, I don't know how. That's I don't a bad. Know. That's a bad sign for the beta. Uh, no, it was a lot of fun. It was a huge. It was a huge heap of beta. I loved it. I you just like, wow, didn't. You just didn't. Game. Not enough to actually buy the game afterwards. This was at that. This was at that phase in my life when I was realizing that it's not the best thing in the world for me to to set myself against other people. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, uh, so I, I, I'm glad they did that, and I'm also glad that they smoothly scaffold with those 
ghosts with those ghost wall runners that you mentioned. They 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 keep it smooth because fundamentally the the wall running is hard. What they're doing is first person platforming, uh, which I would normally for it, like most developers I would say is a mistake. Um, I've played exactly two games that have first person platforming that I don't dislike, and Titanfall Two is one, and and Doom Eternal is the other. The I so I'll say this about like the the whole wall running platforming thing. When I could do it well, I felt very badass. But yes. I could not do it well very often. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it it does. Uh, I I think um, for especially if you if you're on a first play through the game and you're being cautious, uh, I think that actually kind of hurts the experience. What what I think they want you to do is sort of push forward as as one might in a doom game where you just wall run and spray bullets at the enemy and you know don't worry about falling so much in some areas yeah i would agree with that i don't know other people have strong opinions on the wall running yeah i think mm. i i definitely think that they that they wanted to encourage you to just go for it especially with some segments later like after you get the um the arc tool where you have to shoot yeah, and and parkour at the same time. Otherwise, uh, your your platforms or your walls will not exist. Um, and oh. yeah, it's it it I I liked most of those segments. Um, it, I wasn't expecting as much platforming as there was certainly, um, but it felt. It, I mean, there were there were not a whole lot of times where I got like super frustrated about it. Um, though sometimes, yeah, the the like. I don't know, just the way that you stick to the wall kind of feels a little weird at times. Yeah. Um, and the fact that I, I, my biggest issue I feel like I ran into was um, I would like bump up against the ceiling. Yes. <laughs> and then like that would throw off my whole flow. But for the most part, um, it was fun and a good, you know, a good way to break up. Just here you are running and shooting. Yeah. So, yeah, so I will say, I, I think it's kind of weird because like they do sort of like here's a shooting part now here's a wall running part now here's a shooting part yeah and they yeah. never like they kind of starts to intertwine a little bit at some points but never really you, yeah you force them to intertwine yeah they, you... that's the thing. they don't enc they don't encourage it very strongly but you can yeah, the level... start doing that the level design is clearly yeah, like broken into segments for each like type of thing. Um, I honestly, I kind of appreciated that because I'm bad at multitasking, and I think I would have been real bad at being forced to do like the the parts where I was forced to wall run and shoot at the same time were already ones where I felt like, okay, this is maybe the upper limit of like what I'm capable of doing simultaneously. So I'm kind of glad that they didn't do too much. Although I don't know how you would do like simultaneously like the shooting stuff and the mech stuff because you're kind of you're either in the mech or you're not in the mech. So let, let's talk about that because that's that's a thing that they don't teach you. Yeah, uh, I I'm guess a little that's... sad they don't teach you this. Uh, you do have to have played basically either multiplayer Titanfall two or Titanfall one to know that you can even do this. But it is absolutely possible to play in the mech battles to bounce in and out of BT. And did anyone other than me try to do this? No, I did not. It's at some parts. You, you did, Carl? At some parts. Yeah. yeah. Um, did, but did, not you, often. did you know that you can rodeo 
because they never teach you that and that's a little frustrating for me yeah i saw that this was a button that was mapped when i was doing my button mapping and then never used it yeah well it's it's hard it's dangerous and hard to use because it involves leaving bt and letting him fight on his own uh and then like flanking around an enemy uh, an enemy titan jumping onto it ripping its hatch open and throwing a grenade in there's a uh, button to do this, apparently. Yes, there is. There is a button. There is a rodeo button. It's 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 often uh, I think your use button. If you hold it, you you can configure it a couple different ways. Uh, but it's your it's your use button, and then yeah, you don't have to do anything once you just climb up on there and pound a grenade in. They never teach you to do this in single player, and I'm not. Let's say they kind of actively discourage it a little bit. Which just do, yeah. Um, maybe like maybe this was just my own lack of like skill and experience at the game but to me it felt like anytime there were enemy titans around if i did not get into bt immediately i died from titan fire like their guns are just too strong and they they aim right for you right so well, i felt i felt heavily pressured to be in bt if there were ever enemy titans around but clever utilization of the cloak is is the way to, to do that and i will not say that this is a, a good tactical approach but it is fun i guess there's also a cloak that is a mechanic yeah. that i did not mention uh in my mechanic listing there is a button you can press to be invisible for a few seconds it goes away Very automatically cool. if you fire yeah. your gun um it's useful uh it doesn't feel like a central focus of the game though no yeah i forgot i had it all the time yeah, yeah uh, it does it does if you if you use it it matters it's one of those things like <sighs> like the parkour if you if you like if you're in a round room with enemies, like in the in the time travel levels, mm -hmm. it's it's fun and effective to start running around the walls of the room. They don't uh, ever teach you to do this or encourage you to do it, but it's a thing you can do and it works. The the problem with the cloak for me was that the um, just as I was starting to get used to using it regularly and like, okay, this is the button that I press when I need to like dip out and like be behind someone and, and do that. Just when I was getting used to that, they replaced it with the time travel button. And I, there were like three or four times where I meant to cloak and accidentally time traveled. And so that completely threw off my learning curve. The, the time shift though serves much the same yeah i was gonna say it does do it does often serve a similar purpose but it was jarring because it was not what i expected to happen yeah um and that that's that's one place where the game isn't as as developed as, as subsequent titles because uh we should talk about the time the time travel mechanic quickly well, yeah I, well again let's let's save that for the okay. individual uh assessment that pieces so, so the shooting the shooting um, uh, well, hold on. I think there was. Oh, uh, I was gonna say the one. The one more thing about the parkour. Um, mm. The level where I found myself actually like really kind of getting into it uh, was the satellite one, where mm -hmm. you have like all these big construction cranes and you're like moving the walls around to let you uh, get from place to place. Um, and that one, like, because that was like the first level where I didn't feel like I could sit and pick off all the enemies from a distance one by one because there were just too many of them and that's my normal play style um so i was like okay fuck it there's too many i'm just gonna have to make a run for it so doing like a mad dash across a bunch of things and just trying to get like away from the people chasing me i was like okay i see how like if you do this in the intended fast-paced way like this is pretty fun 
That must yeah, have been and, like very intentional level design because I had the yeah. exact same experience. I was like, there's yeah. too many fucking guys here. I'm just going to run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I noticed like in one of the early levels that like the game helps you out so much if you play it like it wants to be played. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're trying for a, a really aggressive push forward uh, experience. But their techno their the techniques that encourage that kind of play are not Well, they're mostly uh, level design based and yeah. they're they're pretty good. Like they There is they, also some I'm pretty sure there's also some things where like they hit you less often if you sprint and Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. They almost never hit you if you're wall running. But um but they don't really and, and they, they, they so what they're doing, the, the the criticism I would make of that, comparing to games that really nail the push-forward mechanic like Doom, uh, is that they don't so much encourage you to to do the, the parkour uh, fun berserk approach. More like they punish you for not doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that that it, it, that's why I say that the that their their attempt to build push forward is not as mature as later titles, but I believe it is influential of later titles. I didn't. The thing is, I didn't feel punished for not doing it anywhere except that level. Like most of the game up until that point, I had been doing my usual methodical, like you know, sneak, 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 pick off people from a distance, sneak, 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 uh, and that served me very well for much of the game. <laughs> So, so I didn't feel like I was like, you know, like I was being actively punished for not like pushing forward at a at a pace. But I I could tell that the game wanted me to do that. I just wasn't comfortable doing it. Yeah, they they don't they didn't know. Uh, they're they're just not just quite as good as like machine games in getting you to really be pulled forward. It doesn't like in in in, in games like Eternal or some of the Wolfenstein titles. It's, it's almost like, like falling it. forward through the game. Like, I really didn't like that about Doom. Like, I, I understood, like, what the game was doing and how well it was designed. But, like, I was uncomfortable being asked to be, like, on point and that aggressive for, like, the entire length of the game. Like, that was tiring and, and un- somewhat unpleasant to me. And in that sense, Titanfall 2 is, is because they, uh, they may not do as, as good a job of encouraging push-forward play, but they also afford more play styles because you don't have to play it that way all except like as as established in the satellite level yeah i can't imagine i i about 90 percent of my kills in that level were were punches because all i did was cloak was cloak into the cover structures and run around and punch people um this is this is surprisingly effective it doesn't work well against the against the androids it doesn't work against the 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 robots uh, yeah. yeah the robots because they don't care how hard you punch them, but uh, but it works great against against the human the human actors mm-hmm. the human NPCs. So. No. Um, all right, now yes, <laughs> the shooting. Shooting the shooting, yes. Um, I have some very strong opinions about uh, the guns in this game, and well, specifically like the distribution of the guns in this game. I, I do too, um, but I'm here. I'm keen to hear uh, Kelso and, and Carl's feelings about the guns and the shooting. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you mean, but like I felt it was really fun gunplay. That was my takeaway from this game. Really, had a lot of fun shooting people. I do appreciate um, just here's a a shit ton of guns, and they're everywhere. Uh, Pick them up, 
play around, have fun. We've got uh we've got a throwing star that that sprays like fucking thermite everywhere. The thermite, the, the thermite throwing star. I tried to get Kyla to try that because that's my fucking favorite grenade. I yeah, I I really came to love the thermite grenade. Yeah, the thermite throwing star. It's a throwing. Yeah, yeah. Star. it's a it's a throwing star. Yeah, um, yeah. I I came to enjoy that quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I've never been very good at using grenades in any game, so I like pretty much used like I had the default grenade for almost the entire game and failed to use it until I got the tick, uh, where you can send ticks against your enemy, and I, uh, I like I hate fighting ticks so much that I was excited to get to use a tick. Yeah, uh, and then <clears throat> play the game. A tick is a is a, yeah. a smart mind. Yeah, it it's a little it's a little spider mind, mind with a yeah. explodey head that walks up to you and explodes. Yeah. Um. And yeah. So I I didn't use the tick very often because I'm still very bad at knowing <laughs> remembering to use grenades. But I did uh, I did at least manage to like send a tick or two against an enemy titan, and that felt really good. So yeah, I think actually I I ended up liking the fire star so much because I typically don't use grenades, and the biggest thing is like I feel like I throw a grenade and oh I, I like I don't throw it close enough, and the enemy moves away, and it's just a wasted grenade. But the fire star is instant; like it lands and it just starts spraying thermite everywhere and it and it does a real good job and it stays there uh i want to for about, a while um they the one thing that this game does and they do it extremely well uh is give you meaningful grenade prediction I don't know if, you, if you hold the cook if you hold down the grenade button this becomes really visible um mm -hmm. it will send uh uh the, the diegetically this is on your hud this is in your helmet it sends an arc. It, it will show you the arc of the grenade uh, as a as a curve. Like you'll actually see a blue illuminated or maybe red illuminated curved line extending out from you that will tell you exactly what the grenade's path is going to be. The line is really well designed. It's got some little circles in it so that you can retain its like 3D qualities. It's it's hard to notice, but if you hold the cook button, it becomes very visible, and that allows you to place your grenades very precisely. I don't know if this is true of all the grenades, but at least with the thermite star. Uh, that predictor, that trajectory predictor, appears for about half a second before you throw it. It appears during the windup, and that is long enough for you to correct the trajectory. Yeah. Uh, and that is, I love that. I, that that is really cool because you're right. Generally speaking, in games with grenades, you you have to throw them all the time to get any sense of where they're gonna go. Mm -hmm. And in a game where you're as mobile as you are where you're bouncing off walls and jumping in and out of titans uh it gets even harder because you generally are moving when you when you heave the grenade so yeah. i'm very pleased that they added that feature uh i'm not sure how how useful i i was able to use it once i noticed it was happening it also i like the fire star as well because if you can effectively predict um like the enemy pathing you you can like if you know there's going to be a bunch of guys coming around this corner you can just throw a fire star as they're coming around the corner and it they're all dead or or all got caught in or, it because it burns for so long yeah it burns it burns for uh four or five seconds i think quite a while mm -hmm. you can also prevent people from being in a place that you don't want them to yeah yeah you can use it you can use it to deny area and similarly the scorch i just in my in my last playthrough i used the scorch and i figured out what the scorch is for one of the titans yeah one of the titans carl do you have a favorite grenade um i don't know the gravity one the late game one was pretty fun 
<laughs> yes. But also, like, all the weapons and grenades and stuff is the same as in Apex Legends, and I played a bit of that. Yeah, it, interesting. I can't so, mute them before. That was that was requested. People wanted more of the gunplay of the local gunplay. I I, I didn't play. I, I I entered one Apex Legend map, died immediately, and then quit. Uh, <laughs> that was that is the extent of my experience with Apex Legends. Um, I I think that I don't know. Did for me that each gun feels pretty distinct. But I don't know. That might just be me because I played you know COD and. Other, yeah, yeah. I, I, they felt distinct enough that I had favorites. Um, mm. I like the problem is that the the primary shooter that I have experience with is the Borderlands franchise, and like that has a like absurd variety of guns because they can get like they can go to very cartoony, like extremes, um, because it's not as like serious a game, or like how can I have this conversation offline about like you know quote-unquote realism and like obviously they're not actually going for like realism realism here but they want it to feel like grounded like you know oh this is a real you know a real gun that would exist in this setting uh and there's no such limitations in borderland um so to that extent like you know the the guns all kind of look the same to me and like you know i i look at a name and i'm like i have no idea like you know, what sort of gun this is going to be or like what it's, you know, I don't know. They didn't, they did not feel as distinct, but again, they were distinct enough that I had specific favorites where I'm like, okay, this is one that like feels good to use. And I like this one. Yeah. That was my biggest gripe about the guns is that the, they all have, well, not all of them, but a lot of them have like, it, it's almost like this is what the nickname of the gun is and they're not. Yeah indicative enough of what the gun like basically the way i played it was i just trusted that the guns that were lying around in the level were going to be guns that would be helpful for me in that level so i just kind of trusted and picked them up and usually it served me well enough um yeah, yeah okay so you didn't you didn't evolve a, so i did evolve strong favorites I had a few favorites, but um, um, one, I don't remember one, what they were called. <laughs> so the first, the first time when I started playing through it again, in the last playthrough, I was like, "Oh God, why is there not a, a, a switch fire, switch fire mode on these guns?" That was the thing I, I wanted most. Um, what does I that wanted, even mean? Switch so fire. So actual, real, actual guns, uh, like assault weapons, are almost never used in full in automatic or burst. The normal use is you pull the trigger once and it fires one bullet. Semi-automatic. Mm -hmm. And the game simulates enough of reality for me to, to wish that I could do that. Um, that I could toggle the gun to, to single shot mode. But then I tried, I had, I had the brilliant huckle moment, um, sarcasm, of I'll try trigger discipline, which is pretend that the gun is semi-fire and use it as though it was, which basically means I tap when I'm, so this is the, this is a major difference between this is why Kyla is ultimately a better shot than me, um, even though she plays fewer shooters. Uh, she actually aims uh, before she fires, which you would think is the approach. Um, playing Call of Duty, particularly playing multiplayer Call of Duty, has kind of ruined me. Um, my approach is to begin firing and then walk my shot onto the target, because in versus multiplayer in like Call of Duty games. You need to disrupt that. You need to disrupt your opponent as fast as you can. So it's more important that you start firing first than you start firing accurately. 
this is not a good idea in it is actually better to aim uh and my so my approach is to just very quickly tap the mouse you know just do rapid taps uh with a semi-automatic weapon where where it's one for one but i found that if i just do that with the automatic weapons i get single shots out of them anyway so so trigger discipline sort of solved that problem for me uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. sense. Yeah, um, I don't like I don't like full auto because they kick all over the place, and in in that regard, the game is is realistic. And in, in the idea that that firing a, a, a assault weapon or rifle at fully automatic makes you unable to hit much. So, so my issue with the the guns in this game, um, I, I you know I enjoyed like experimenting with some of them and kind of seeing if I liked them or not, but. I do have a specific way I like to play shooters, which is to like be at a great distance and like plink off headshots. Like I'm, I I go mean, a sharpshooter route. Yeah, she is a DMR. She's a de or she is a yeah. DM. She's a designated marksman. Um, often, so, often confused with a sniper, but not actually the same thing. So the like very quickly, very early on, I discovered that the the DMR rifle. Um, which I think DMR. is actually, yeah, the, yeah, sorry, the DMR, the DM rifle. Um, and the, I think it's even one of the ones they let you use in the tutorial. Cause they, they let you try out like six or seven of the like 20 ish guns in the game, uh, in the like early virtual tutorial part. So I got attached to the DMR and I really liked it. And I became like pretty skilled with using it and you get it, I think in, um, in one of the like early levels so you can have it for like the first two chapters or so uh if you want um but the problem is that like the game has a bunch of guns scattered everywhere throughout each of the levels but for the most part it's like there's one of them and if you find it you can use it until you're out of ammo and then you have to throw it away because the only way to get more ammo for a gun is to find another gun of that type so once I was done with the DMR, the DMR, there's like such a variety of guns in the game. And yet almost every enemy in the game and every level in the game has like one of the same four guns. There's like four guns that are everywhere. And then the, every other type of gun is just like a one shot where you find it once and then you use it till it's out of ammo and then you can never use it again. And the DMR was not one of the four common guns. So I basically like found a play style I liked with the shooting got to use it for a little bit and then couldn't do it anymore and that that was like really frustrating to me i'm like why would you give me all these guns and then not give me an opportunity to like pick and continue to use a favorite yeah yeah that 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 is a i i had a little like playing back through i, I realized that i had that frustration too <laughs> so uh, i just pick a gun and shoot <laughs> yeah i i tend to have i have like specific anxiety about like I don't want to get too attached to this gun because then what if I run out of ammo and I can't find more ammo so I have kind of had to train myself to not get too attached to any one gun yeah um so basically the the same experience but with a different outcome <laughs> yeah and I mean you know again this is coming from I primarily like shoot in Borderlands where you just have like six ammo types and like all guns run to one of those six ammo types or however many it is 
Yeah. And so if you find a gun you like, it's like, great, you know, this is my current sniper rifle gun. And like, if I find a better sniper rifle, I'll switch to that sniper rifle, but I can always have a sniper rifle. Or if I'm more into SMGs, I can always have a an SMG that I really like, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas this was, I think like the main four guns were like two SM, two bullet SMGs, a laser SMG and a shotgun, <laughs> right? Like it was, they were all like fairly self-similar, the like four, four guns that they, uh, that they kept showing you over and over. Yeah. But and at there, least, you know, one of yeah. the, at least one of them was fine. Like the hemlock or whatever <laughs> I think I used for most of the game. Yeah. But at least, at least it doesn't get too wild with the kind of guns they're throwing at you all the time. Like there were, there was one. Like what is it? What which one was it? It's the one that you that you keep seeing um, on the the like satellite parkour section. I think it's called the the Big Star. That just shoots like a big blob of like plasma electricity. Oh, shit. I and found I... that once briefly, and I think I like carried it around. Uh, until I found a different gun that I wanted and just dropped it and like maybe fired it twice between yeah, I, then. I think I, I like I tried to use it a couple times and I was like I have no fucking clue like if this is hitting anything or how it works and I just got rid of it immediately. Um, but most of the guns are at least not like very specific gimmick guns like that, which I yeah you know that's that that kind of thing is fun, but it has. I don't know. It has to be really deliberate, I think, if you're going to have a bunch of weird gimmick guns. Yeah. Um, but Borderlands is entirely weird gimmick yeah, guns. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it works because that's that's just what the game is. Yeah, that's but what it's designed around. In this game, I picked up a weird gimmick gun and was just <laughs> immediately yeah. off put by it. Yeah, like there's a there's a sniper rifle that shoots two shots. And I'm like, yeah, why would I want that? this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. Good. But, so if there are two people standing the exact right distance apart, I can headshot them both. That's yeah, not like, that useful. <laughs> yeah, if you if like two of if the uh, the enemy soldiers just decide to like take a quick smooch on the battlefield, um, then you can pick them both off at once. But yeah. or you know if your aim is a bit shaky. Yeah, I guess it just seems like a waste of. Like it seems like a waste of a of a bullet if you're gonna shoot two at the same time on a sniper rifle, but eh, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I picked that one up and carried that one around for a while, thinking maybe it would have some utility and and then I did also just get rid of that one as well. yeah the the goofy uh like guns like the EPR or that weird grenade launcher that has to fire two grenades uh. Uh, or, or th those those guns are, are sort of in the game, and it's appropriate that they don't feel good or don't feel appropriate or correct because those are for multiplayer. Specifically, those weird, goofy guns are for letting a player do meaningful deterrent against a titan. That makes sense. Yeah, and I, I sort of figured that was yeah. that was a like a multiplayer thing that was just there, but you know. Yeah, they just sort of they just sort of tacked them on, and I, I'm not I'm not complaining that they put them in. I don't think they shouldn't have. Yeah. It's just that the, it it's it, it's appropriate that we don't find them particularly useful because the context in which they're useful isn't there. Yeah. yeah. So 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 from 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 player shooting, unless unless there's any any other any other gunplay commentary that we have. Hmm, is there other gunplay? It's hard to parkour and gun at the same time in any kind of accurate way. <laughs> yes, that's it why feels, they give you a it shot. Feels a little, it feels a little like manic and chaotic when when you when you have to do it. 
I run I screaming, love... but not away. No. I love the wingman. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Which one's that? The revolver you get. Like, mm, okay. in the time travel area. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Is the... Um... I felt the Mozambique was in a little bit uh, poor taste as well. It was actually good in this game. What the it, hell? It's a good weapon, but I, I kind of think it's a little, a little poor taste to call it that. You know, <laughs> that's that's a real thing. The Mozambique drill is a real thing, and it's it's not a good thing. Uh, yeah. It's 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 called that. The 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 joke that's in kind of poor taste is that the Mozambique drill is to shoot someone twice in the chest and once in the head. Mm-hmm. The Mozambique fires bullets in a triangle. Fires a triangle of bullets. Mm-hmm. Bruce, that effect. But I felt like I'm like respawn too soon. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think I ever picked up the Mozambique, so I didn't realize that that's that was the um the pattern. Yeah, that's yeah. a little. That's a little. Ugh. That's a little tasteless. Yeah, uh, I just and, know it uh, as the most useless gun in Apex Legends. What the Mozambique? Yeah. I mean, I liked it. I liked it fine. I would never use it in, like, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't use it against other players because it has travel time. It's not a hit scan. Uh, yeah, I so guess there's a... It, but it's great again in single player. Um, there, another thing to say about the gunplay is that they do have... Um, <clears throat> there's basically two types of enemies, which are, like, you know, flesh enemies and robot enemies. Yeah. And different guns tend to be more effective... Uh, one versus the other. So I did try and, like, they you only basically have two guns that you can carry at any given time. Um, so I tended to try and carry one thing that fought, that, that fired energy blasts to, for robots and one thing that fired bullets for humans. Um, and then that's it, because you only have two spots. I should say, they do have one animal. Just one. Only one animal yeah. in the game. But it's very good. It's a very good yeah. monster enemy. Yeah, there's yeah. like a big... Like saber cat, yeah, uh, porcupine type thing. That, uh... <laughs> I guess there's also those flying things, but I don't think the flying dragony guys like ever attack. You. Yeah, I don't Do think they, they ever they ever threaten you. You can shoot yeah. them down too. It's it's yeah. yeah I, not... I did that once, and then realized, oh, this isn't actually gonna. Um, yeah, isn't actually coming for me. So yeah, I don't think you ever get pestered by those. So just just yeah. just the one, just the 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 looking things they're mostly they're mm-hmm. mostly there for jump scares yeah uh but um, but they're really well done there's only one the, but they the, the dragons i mean yeah the dragons. are mostly there for jump scares but the game is better they answered the dragon question with a yes so there's that <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely yeah so um we we, we, might, we might want to touch on titan combat yeah i was gonna say so like yeah category three is titans i want to hear what everyone's favorite loadout was none of them Really? You didn't like the Titan combat, huh? I thought it was a pretty fun game that got interrupted by sitting in stupid Titans. Ah, interesting. Interesting. You felt that the Titan combat was an intrusion on an otherwise good shooter. Yes. I can see Hmm. that. Um, Yeah, I could see that. I I wish there was an option, and I don't know, maybe there is, in um, multiplayer to, like, customize your loadout so that you only have what you need or what you want to use, um, but... There, no, 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 uh, okay. uh, no, well, hold on a second. Your, your player, yes, you have a whole menu of loadouts. You can equip them with any gun or combination of guns. 
Yeah, but not, the, to not on the Titans. You have to unlock them. The Titans have specific loadouts that ha they do have options within the loadout. You get to choose, mm -hmm. you know, kind of what the abilities are, but they are confined to specific loadouts. And I kind of, I'm with you, like, in, in wishing that I had that affordance, but I understand why they didn't do that for balance. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah. everyone would use the same, it would just converge on the same loadout. And they wanted them sort yeah. of to all have their nuances. And sort um, of all feel similar, I guess. But as we see with, with Carl, if you don't find the combat, the Titan, the mech battle, stimulating, then it doesn't matter what nuances the, the loadouts have. The player is not going to be stimulated by them. Which I feel yeah. is is that is that a fair statement, Carl? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were only really slow, and the game was so like fast paced. And... Yeah. So I, I may have a different perspective, Carl. Have you ever played uh, like Mech Warrior or uh, um, no. any of its various? No okay. So yeah, that might be. So uh, for me, the mech combat is is actually quite fast, but that's because my idea of mech combat is based on a much more primitive uh, virtualization of same. So compared to like Mech Warrior, this is actually this is actually spry and and fast. Yeah, I I didn't mind the mech battles, but not because <clears throat> like mech battles were particularly a thing I really liked. More just because I I enjoyed having variety and like having to switch things up periodically. Um, yeah. I felt like that was it was like a good change of pace. And I feel like there aren't. There was less of being in the mech in the game than I s expected there to be. I expected it to be like mostly mech combat once you got the mech, but it's actually mostly not mech combat. They're used yeah. to like pretty that's, sparingly. That's borne out in single player. You you don't the Titan the Titanfall is like you get a bunch of kills and that rewards you with a Titan. You can call a Titan in. And then you you get to play in the Titan for a while and be this and be a Titan. You know? Mm -hmm. You get to be the 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 um, Jaeger, and you get to blow up the enemy team and blow up enemy titans. But you you actually you actually don't spend most of your time in it in a titan. Uh, they they are fundamentally speaking bullet magnets. Um, all the all the the enemy team will just will just point themselves at you uh, because you're big and slow, and there aren't a lot of options. You will you will generally do more. It's generally attritively speaking, you'll you'll cost the enemy team more than than it costs you. To get blown back out of your Titan, but um, the the idea of of spending like the whole play session or spending half your time in a Titan doesn't seem to prevail. Yeah, so that's I, it wasn't in single player either. I had two Titans that I liked playing as uh, a lot. Um, well, that I, I I guess that I preferred above other Titans. Um, one of them was the Brute. Um, because there are a few situations in Titans where I felt like I had no choice but to just just try and close as quickly as possible and empty as many bullets as possible into the uh, into your opponent, and the brute is very good for that. Uh, and then the other one was the North Star, where if things are at like if I have time to be deliberate and at a distance, the North Star is basically the sharpshooter build, but for Titans. Yeah. Uh, and so I could you know charge up a a smart laser and <laughs> fire it in. Uh, and I think I did the final boss battle in the North Star. Yep. Um, tries, but yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't realize at the time was the final boss battle. That thing is very poorly telegraphed as the final boss battle. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, even when I played it, I did realize that it was the final battle, but uh, or I realized that it would be weird if there was another battle after this, because the MacGuffin is right there. Um, 
But I also, like, if they telegraphed it a little better, it would fit because it is actually kind of an epic Titan struggle. Yeah, I mean, it it was a hard, it was probably the battle that I had to try the most times in the game. Or, no, or tied, you, you, had more trouble. The... you had more trouble with Viper. Um, yeah, I was going to say maybe tied for the one I had to try the most at. <laughs> well, let me but, put it this uh... way. I was watching, I was watching both fights. You spent more time on the last battle, but you died more against Viper. Yeah, I just died very died quickly. That's the one. That's the the boss fight that's in like the sort of gas filled canyon with the big rocks. Um, uh, no, Viper is on the is the flying guy. Oh, him! Yeah, yeah this guy was ass. a pain in the fucking ass. Yeah, he, he kicked, <laughs> I he also spent a lot of time down. in yeah. the in the gas filled canyon one. Yeah, no, I didn't like the the flying titan fight at all because like the str no titan is good at like aiming precisely and hitting something that's fast moving like yeah. that's not why you have a titan and right? so having a fight where you have to hit something that's moving really quickly is like not a good fight to be in a titan and fundamentally why is he in a titan yeah he's, he's flying around with rocket jets and he's using all these air force brevity codes uh, yeah, you, and it's it's funny because you've got this this extremely OP Titan that can fly. Why doesn't everybody just use the extremely OP Titan that can fly? Like what? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Why, why is it not? Why is it not more ubiquitous? Um, yeah. I actually I get the feeling that uh, there are not many people who can fly it safely. It is not fundamentally <laughs> an aerodynamic an aerodynamic vehicle, which is why it's dumb that it's a Titan in the first. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, this this comes comes up in Mech Warrior as well for people that like to do to do the jump jet thing, which is at a, the very you know, least. If you're gonna have something that's like flying and nimble, it yeah. should hurt it more when I hit it because you have to hit it dead on a lot of times to take it down. Well, so so the struggle that um, I didn't comment on this at the time per your request. She was <laughs> I was I was backseating and kind of was like stop backseating please, and I and then um and I I kept doing it and then she's like stop backseating damn it, <laughs> uh, and then I stopped. Uh, which is 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 two times more backseating than I ever should have done, and I'm sorry. Um, uh, the problem Kylie was having was that she was really struggling to stick the hit on uh, on on Viper because he reads your frickin' inputs and has a dodge on a cooldown. That's mm -hmm. what's actually happening there. He's reading he's, he's reading he's reading the client prediction, and a certain number of times uh, he will dodge. You know, and I, I believe it's on a cooldown. I don't think it's always, or it might be that he has a, a chance of dodging. Um, but I realized in that fight and also the last fight, I'm like, I don't know. I haven't looked at the code. Somebody probably has, but I'm about 99% sure that it's doing predictive dodging, which means that it knows there's no way you can hit it. Cause it, yeah, it I'd means, be interested to know if that's yeah. actually true. Um, I think it's, it, it's true. Yeah. You do, Carl? I, I, I think like old. Bosses have like some sort of death. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard for me to tell because I all my focus is on just trying to figure out like where everything is on the battlefield and like actually get the enemy titan in my sights. Like I'm because it's uh it's I have very bad battlefield awareness. So yeah, well no 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 it's so so that's actually a good thing. The game is sufficiently immersive that you can't tell it's happening. If you watch someone else play. Like I saw you lined up dead center on Viper with the with the with the railgun, mm -hmm. and you released and he dodged perfectly. He did a perfect dodge. There is no there's no reaction time, you know, and there's no way he could have known when you were going to release either. So I mean, isn't the point there that you're supposed to lead them? 
not with the railgun because it's it's a vector. If you yeah. fire, if you're not if you're if you're not lined up on the target, you won't hit it when you fire. Yeah, that, I, I guess I, I, I so that was... it might be a very fast projectile, but same issue because the Titans. Yeah, that was oh, one oh, fight oh, which oh, I started oh. with the North Star um, because I'm like, oh, you know, he's uh, I need to do a lot of damage to him because he's like zipping around the place. Um, and then I very quickly switched back to the brute because I'm like, no, I need to put as many bullets in the air as possible so that one of them may hit him. I, I think you may have that. I think you may have that sequence in reverse because I remember you trying to hit him with the brute and you you couldn't. You can't hit him with the brute. It's impossible. Uh, I may have, I may have gone back and forth a couple times actually. Yeah, you did wobble back and forth. Uh, Kelso, what were your what were your Titan Titan preferences? I, um, you know, I, I jumped around a lot. There were a few that I, like, tried out and really didn't use much. Like, I didn't use North Star that much, um, nor did I... I think I used Ronin once and was like, this is cool in theory, but I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, same. Yeah, I would use that against other people. I'm not sure I, how I feel about single player. Yeah, but I, you know, I would even use, like, the... What what is like the shitty the shitty first one that you get expedition I think, um like you know if there's a bunch of dudes running around on the ground like yeah you can just pop off shots really quickly. Um, yeah, I felt the I felt like the brute was just an upgraded version of the first Titan. Yeah, I guess. Um yeah. And I I would use Scorch a lot for for a similar purpose. Um, just kind of like crowd control because that grenade that you get, um, the. Or the thermite like star. It, it, yeah, it's it's like a big boy version of the thermite star that shoots it like it drops a grenade that has flammable gas and then you shoot it yeah. with your uh with your you know flame grenade and it just makes a big area <laughs> that is just on fire, um, which was very fun. Um, so, yeah. Okay, uh, but you you really didn't like the default the expedition. I I used it. Um, I used it. Yeah, for like a lot of. Like, here's a bunch of guys running around, and I just want to dispatch them quickly without a lot of ceremony. Um, I also use tone a lot, uh, and I don't... I don't know. I, there was something really gratifying about hitting something enough times with tone that you get the lock on, and then you can just open up on them with your... Um, with your... whatever. Um, so, so at, at the risk of pressing you, Carl... Um, I know. I get that you don't like to. If you had to choose combat. one, <laughs> yeah, but but you did have to, you did have to choose a titan. Which one did you choose? Um, normally, I put the one like that they put me in. And I was use gonna that say one. whatever you had gotten but most recently. On some bosses, I switched to scorched and just put all the fires on them, and they died pretty much instantly. Okay. Yeah, that. So I only played scorch because I hated playing scorch the first couple times I played, so I only did it in my last run, and I don't hate it less. But I do realize that it's easy mode. Oh. For, for, Titan, for Titan combat. It does make it really... Because it, it wrecks the AI. All that dodging that they do doesn't matter if you've covered the whole map in Thermite. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> uh, and that's why... So, and that's, that's why uh, Scorch, like... Like, the final boss fight is almost trivial if you run Scorch. Because she can't, she's got nowhere to go. She can't hide from your thermite. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, they put you in a pretty small arena for that last one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's weird. It doesn't feel like a an epic boss fight arena. I think that's why it didn't yeah. read to me as boss fight. It's like it doesn't feel like the area in which you would have a boss a big final boss fight. Yeah. Yeah, the, and there are areas before that, that that feel like they would be more appropriate for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Function. It does feel like an enemy because she teleports around, which means you have to. Yeah, it does feel like a to... boss fight. It just doesn't feel like the last boss fight of the of a game. Yeah, I, I actually, when I first the first playthrough, I thought Viper was going to be the last because I had I had even more trouble with Viper than you did the first time through. Yeah, uh, and I, he's not easy under he's hard uh, under any circumstances. But boy, that first time I was finally what I wound up doing was uh, with him was I took Expedition and just chiseled at him. Because you eventually will, you you, you will, because he can't actually hit you all that well if you hide behind something on the surface of the, of the, uh, aircraft. That was not, that was not my experience, because I would hide under those flaps, and half the time I would get hit anyway. Well, the problem is that the flaps go away. They, they no, go but down. I was underneath it, and it, like, he was still hitting me, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, I, I don't know. I may have but, been, like, pressed up too far against the front of it, so, like, part of my geometry was sticking out, but I couldn't yeah, tell you, or something. You did you did push in in pretty hard on him, especially when you were playing the the brute, which is what you're supposed to do with the brute. Um, no, what I, what I wound up doing is not leaving the place where that fights, where that fight starts. Mm -hmm. uh, the first time I played through, I finally barely beat him by switching to Expedition and just plinking him with the um, with the assault like the machine, with the gun. machine gun that he gets, because you the, the main problem I have with Viper is that he keeps it's hard to put to damage him consistently enough to keep his shields from recovering. Yeah. Uh, and then you haven't yeah. hurt him. You haven't, and if you don't damage him past the shields, you haven't damaged him at all. So the that's the one thing that the expedition does. Okay, um, can can we talk about um, not to interrupt you, but can we talk about like how badly they tutorialize the. Uh, titans like there's a bunch of functionality around the titan that they never explain like yep. I, I was in literally the last boss fight of the game and huck had to point out to me the shield meter the um the stamina meter for dodging <laughs> like i had not known any of those because they don't explain it they cut the tutorial off right when you're about to get in the titan in the vr in the beginning of the game in the vr <laughs> tutorial that's when they cut it off and I we can talk about that because I'm sort like, of yeah, but you could have tutorialized it with BT, right? Like right. there, there, it wouldn't be that hard to narratively justify when you get in your Titan for the first time that you have to do some like calibration of like the you know the that BT has to make sure that you're you know seeing the correct things and stuff like that. Or you know, like yeah. it wouldn't be that hard to explain to me what the like huge amount of UI in BT means. Yeah, there's this there's this. Un enormous amount of HUD flying at you when you get into BT and as Kyla, as I discovered with Kyla, it is, it is possible to go through the whole game not knowing what most of it is. Yeah. You know, and that that's yeah. bad and it's bad on bad on respawn for never telling you, for example, is that it a surprise to anyone that there's a stamina meter? I mean, I had this, I had a similar experience where I it took me quite a while to sort of parse everything that was on there. And I kind of felt like I picked it up little by little of like, oh, this is what this is. Um, but I definitely felt like I would have benefited from a, a more formalized tutorial. And it is, 
like I agree there's no narrative reason that they couldn't put that in similarly yeah. I think there's no narrative reason that they couldn't have tutorialized like the rodeo button that would have been a great narrative moment where you come up upon upon like one of the bosses and they make them out to be like a big threat and then note you just fucking chuck a grenade in the cockpit and they're dead like that would have been a great narrative moment that they completely failed to take advantage of yep. I, okay that would have actually been fun i, I should mention yeah. though that I don't, I don't believe you're permitted to rodeo the boss i think if you try to do that their titan splatters you yeah like, but like yeah, but even even so, you could have presented something as though it was a boss, yeah. and like had players, a fun had a fun moment. You could have let players know that they could rodeo because I think that might have helped Carl a lot. Did you did you know you could rodeo, Carl? Nope. Yeah, well, that like, might have helped you. I did this because you don't. I love it. Have, you don't have to do the Titan fights. You don't have to do that. You can actually get out of your Titan. Well, okay, in the gas, the level that's covered in poison gas, you have to. <laughs> uh, it is possible if you're clever and nimble to do that. It, you don't want to just do it toward the enemy. Like if it's you and the enemy titans over there. You don't want to just pop out of BT and run at them because they'll shoot you. But there are many circumstances in the game where there's cover and you duck behind cover and then you can you can wait for an opportunity and, and go and rodeo and BT will, will carry on the fight without you. Uh, yeah, and those are the situations where I, I would have most liked to have been aware of that option because I really felt like the the Titan combat was the most fun for me when it was basically just a duel yeah. and not when there were like six fucking Titans on the screen and also like my like the rebel Titans also on the screen and there's just like too much shit going on and that's when I really didn't didn't enjoy the Titan combat but in those boss arenas where it's just you and one other like very specific Titan and you kind of have to like figure out what their move set is and how to work against it. That felt great. That felt like a really a, a really fun time for me. Um, and if I could have bypassed the 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 big like the See, big I, bombastic uh, like I war I scenes, of, <laughs> I think I kind of prefer it in the other direction. Like I enjoyed mm. some of the duels, but I was pretty bad at them. I think probably because I didn't understand the shielding mechanic. I didn't yeah. understand that they had a layer of regenerating health that I had to get through before I could damage them. We had this layer of regenerating um, health. Uh, and so, like, because of that, I was, like, much more satisfied when I was in a big place and there were, like, four titans that were weaker than me and I could just pick them off individually. Like, that was very satisfying to me. So, did anyone else have the salvo core? Was anyone else unable to notice they had a salvo core ready? Oh, the, like, big core, whatever your core is? Yeah, your, your cooldown power, or, well, your charge-up power. Yeah, I, I got, that was one of the UIs that I was, like, pretty good at, at recognizing, because they pop up a big thing on the left, and usually BT tells you verbally that it's ready. He keeps telling you that, yeah. 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 There, there uh, were a lot of times, I feel like I never um, failed to notice that it was available, but there were also a lot of times where I told myself, okay, well, I gotta save that, I gotta save that until I need it, and then I just finished the fight without using it, because Megalixer syndrome. No, I, I always used it pretty much immediately as soon oh. as it was ready. <laughs> See, that I'm, a, I'm a potion hoarder, I'm a phoenix down hoarder, I yeah, save, I hold all, all of that shit uh, so, until I need it, and I don't use it. 
Yeah. Normally I am too, but that's only when I have time to plan and strategize around it. But I didn't feel like I ever like had like time to think about the combat in the mech fights, so I would just panic use it. Yeah, that's that's and I'm sure Kyla's talked about Megalix. In fact, I've heard her on the podcast. That's a that's a I think I I came up with that one. I think from Megalix watching Carrie Bro- Yeah, from watching the Carrie Brothers play. I don't like, think it's just you, but it's the final. Maybe. No, no, it's absolutely not. But it's the final boss of the game. And a Megalixir is useful because everyone's low HP and low MP. And now would be the time to use a Megalixir. And you can't you can't bring yourself to do it. You might need it. You might need it later. Yep. The whole party's gonna get killed, but you might need it later. Uh I have yeah. worked, I have I have dedicated a lot of concentration because I had the same problem. I think everyone does at to some extent. Uh, I think not that, anymore. I used to when I was a kid. No, I don't you do I can't you do yeah, no I, I yeah, I, that's what I do. I'm like, I'm playing a game. You know? It's like, it's not the end of the world. I had to work to do that. It was it was a disciplinary process. It's the same with Salvo course. You know, I'm like, every time, I, I had to kind of force myself to, to use the Salvo course. Shit, what need it? You know, yeah. here's the other thing. Here's the other thing, probably the reason I got used to using Salvo course immediately. Yeah. Um, because I was at least halfway through the game, maybe further, before I understood what... Uh, like how they become available. Like yeah. I, because I couldn't pay attention to it and they don't tutorialize it. Nope. I didn't realize, oh, this happens once you do a certain amount of damage to the enemies. I just thought, oh, I guess this is a thing that becomes available so many seconds into the fight. <laughs> and so I'll just use it. Um. They could have made the health bar a little thicker. I think with the, because. Well, health was never a thing I had trouble like noticing when there was a problem. Uh, I mean, you like notice when you didn't notice. Because, no, I listen. Yeah. I knew when I was doing terribly. I was oh, just doing just, terribly. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was did, not unaware of this fact. They work really hard to make sure that you're positionally aware of where batteries are, and that mm-hmm. and when and and if you need them. But the the one the one problem is that about seventy percent of the time, when you when you really need a battery, when you'll blow up without it. It's too late for you to reposition yourself to to win one. Mm-hmm. So so you have to try to anticipate that, and to do that, you have to pay attention to the to the weird flattened health bar at the top of the screen. Apex Legends doesn't have a health bar, right? Yeah, it oh. does. It does. You have a health. Yeah. Okay. Do you recover health, or is it pickup recovery? Um, you don't recover health. Interesting. That's a throwback, actually. Um, Titanfall does not have a health bar. At least I don't think it does. No, it, do, it oh, doesn't. Not, not for the player. Like, it does yeah. for the Titan. The player does the, the like, yeah. now somewhat standard shooter thing where, like, you get a slight color change and a particle effect on the edges of the screen as you're taking damage. Yeah, although... It's not standard time. anymore. Is it yeah, not? I like it. It was standard for a bit there. It, it, I mean, we are seeing... Boy, what's standard? Uh, Call of Duty invented that, and yeah, Call of Duty was uh, like the the one where I, that I associate with that. I well, mean, what they observed I, was that there's no was that the health pickup system is kind of pointless. I guess I don't play that many uh, modern, like really modern shooters. Yeah. So I, have we have we just gone back to having like health bars and health pickups? Is that really what no, it's, it's it's like? I mean, full circle? I'm not sure we're full circle, but Doom definitely influenced a lot of shooters. Yeah. 
Yep. Well, Doom that's does that. Borderlands does that. Although Borderlands, almost every character has some way of gaining path- passive health regen. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Borderlands Three relies a little more. But so, but there's a, there is a difference. Um, like even in Doom, there are still environmental health pickups, but they're not there. They're not actually intentional. You're supposed to pick up your health from pushing forward, from attacking the enemy. Uh, mm-hmm. Which in Titan combat you often do because enemies will drop batteries. Um, Sometimes, not when you really so, want them to. So in, um, in that regard, it's it's what they don't ever want you to do in Doom is hide to recover, which is what which is what was intended in things like uh, Call of Duty and yeah. a lot of games since, and also Titanfall. Titanfall's the same. Is that they want you to 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 take a moment Look behind uh, cover and yeah. I like that they're that they're that you're about to die. Uh, that the visual effect that describes that is. It, unmissable but not prohibitive yeah it doesn't it doesn't make you it doesn't because i've seen that in some games I make you remember. a worse shot <laughs> well yeah exactly or or make you unable to see like it interferes somehow with your situational awareness uh, it does cloud your your peripheral vision a bit I so guess it's harder to see enemies from the side but what 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 fov do people play on Tyler plays on 70 i play on well 90. i played on whatever the default was 70 yeah which is like horse blinders for me. What about what about the uh, Kelso and Carl? I I um, bumped it up a little bit. I think to to eighty or so. Just yeah, I was eighty. Eighty. I'd like to keep it as the game intended, but I'm not doing seventy. Yeah, yeah lower. Same. I'm I'm in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, lower uh, FOVs for me tend to be better for my nausea, so mm-hmm. I tend to if it you know leave it low or turn it down. <laughs> Just okay. for, for motion sickness. And I, I didn't do too bad with the motion sickness in this game. I suffered a lot fairly early on when they make you go into the ship wreckage and it's all Dutch angles. Impulse, yeah. Like, that was unpleasant yeah. for me. You um, the, the, the ship they, fighting pretty well, though. But, yeah, but, like, after that, they mostly don't do a ton of... Yeah, there is one where the in, in the air, air, like, jumping from airship to airship level, the ship is fucking rocking the whole time. And like fuck that, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's tough. Uh, so I, I run ninety. Um, I think that it, it, Carl mentioned intention uh, from the developer, and um, my submission would be that uh, that if they put a FOV slider, and then that then any FOV that you are allowed to choose is intended. Um, the seventy is is a couch thing. That's for playing it on on a con you know on a console with with a controller on a couch because then you have a naturally smaller window um i cannot stand playing an action shooter below 90 fov i i i it drives me nuts i will <laughs> if the game doesn't have that feature i will go online and secure uh like a cheat engine script that will ar- arrange that and i do this um I, I can do this easily because i am not at all unique in this loathing yeah, there absolutely. Alien alien isolation is capped at seventy, and great. That's fine because because you're supposed to be paranoid and be not be able to see the yeah. things. Right. They want to reduce your your situational awareness, <laughs> and great. That's great for that for that particular game. But in the game in which um, my awareness of my surroundings is core to play, um, it drives me berserk when specifically when I'm confined to. Uh, 60 to 70 FOV, which is becoming quite common. That, I cannot stand that. 
part it's a personal it's a personal thing that i can't stand it but i do i have more objective reasons for railing against developers that do that because it's also a usability issue well yeah, yeah. i'd like fov sliders are important for motion sickness exactly because um, yeah. different people react differently to different fovs so yeah. tolerance is... and i realize that it's a design limitation but yeah, it is kind of nuts to me when when a first-person game does not give you the option to change your FOV. Yeah. Um, and something that I feel like I've been running into more often in third-person games is um, when you can't, like, pull the camera out so your character is, like, a full 25% of the screen, and that's what pisses me off. I can't fucking deal with that. Um, one by one that I can't, that drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. You need a button... If 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 you're if the character is a centered a centered third person camera, uh, on a spherical shoulder track camera, shoulder switch shoulder switch is mandatory. Yep. You yep. have to have that. And yeah. I was lucky in that in a game the game I've played that it, in which it is most mandatory. You actually can't change the controls. They you have to hack the any to change controls around in the second Transformers game, uh, uh. Which, which is quite good. But the first two are excellent games, uh, surprisingly, because they're movie. Kind of movie when you, I was going to say, yeah. when you say the first one, uh, there's probably an older Transformers video game. Oh, probably, but the, the, the people will know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but in the second one, it uses a third-person spherical track camera, but you're not above the actor at all. You're next to them. So you have to have a switch. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's important in third-person games because of the bullpup problem, uh, which a lot of people don't know what they're, don't even know that they're having it. But it is it is still an issue. It's the fact that you have to fully expose yourself to go around corners on the side that your camera's not on, or that your camera is on. So, um, like this happened to Kyla when she for that brief abortive play of uh, Warframe, uh, she was getting. Oh, I was. was I thought play. you were going to say control. <laughs> no, uh, control is not as bad. Uh, it, you it's still kind of helpful in control, but it's not as bad because your character's pretty centered. Mm-hmm. They don't yeah. shoulder you as hard, but I can't. One of, so I have this checklist of things. Whenever a game is three D environment, either first or third person, uh, and there's a camera that I have to control, I have this checklist. And one of the things that's been sort of driving me around the bend is that this information is actually quite difficult to acquire before you without purchasing the game. Yeah, you know, it's the. Uh, yeah, I wish I wish there was. I should submit to some review sites. Be like, hey, there's a couple things. FOV change, camera shoulder change, mouse inversion. Um, which nobody's forgotten to do mouse inversion yet. Yes, Sooner they have. Oh, who who <laughs> did it? Who did it to you? You play with reverse like, mouse for all? Yes. We're dying. We're dying, Carl. We're a dying breed. <laughs> I mean, I I've downloaded third party software to fix that for all the games that doesn't have it. What did you play that doesn't have mouse inversion? Um, I can't think of something off the top of my tongue, but like a lot of indie games. Yeah, that they just forget to put it in. Uh, and it's not hard. It's not a difficult thing. You, you just have to reflect one variable. Um, in some games that have different play contexts, this really drives me around the bend. Some games that have different play contexts forget to reverse your mouse across those contexts. The most odious example being probably Call of Duty Ghosts. Which is a kind of a bad game to begin with, but when you get in when you get into certain like vehicles, uh, it forgets to reverse your mouse. 
which is super careless. That's yeah. That's, that, that's always the thing that screws me up. Is, yep. You know, I can adapt if if there's only one context. It I can deal with it and just get used to playing it, it, it either way. But if if you put me in a vehicle and it's not inverted, Box, like suddenly. yeah, it's then then that's where I have a problem. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, to to pull it back towards Titanfall, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the set pieces, because I want to talk about some of the set pieces. Um, so we started playing this game because I watched a speed run that had a, a the time travel level in it. Um, the, the time travel level, which is hilariously unsupported by the narrative, like literally they're like, uh, oh yeah, it's, there's a big battery and it's making time distortions happen. <laughs> Yeah. And and like no one treats that like it's weird or unexpected and time time travel never comes up again in the plot in any way. <laughs> Just this level. But there's a they basically have a facility and there's one where it's like um where it's brand new and there's a bunch of like workers in it uh and they're like trying to catch you and chase you down and then there's the the present so that that's the past and then there's the present where it's all like like burnt up in a hollowed out shell and there's plants growing and there's like big animals attacking you. Um, and most of the level is creatively swapping back and forth between the two spaces. And they do some fun things with it. The The ones I expected were like, oh, you're, you know, you have to do a fight in one of these times. So you're like switching back and forth to get an advantageous position, which is like interesting. Um, especially when they have enemies in both time periods, uh, like that lo lobby elevator fight. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I also expected um, the uh, the ones where you're like doing parkour and you're switching back and forth. Uh, I didn't expect there's a lot of areas where you just switch time periods and then walk past the enemy. Yeah, <laughs> that's so fun. And that shouldn't be like, as fun as this. That touch of adding like a blue glowy smoke where the enemy was is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's also, I will say, there is an achievement for uh, in the research area where they're researching those like stalker animal things. Uh, if you time travel yourself into one of their like little containment areas and shoot it you do get an achievement for that while it, like shooting it from inside of the cage um they didn't have a reason to do that they did, they did. Yeah. yeah but that's true of the whole single player campaign you know yeah yeah so so the, the time swapping uh mechanic thing they're not the first game to do that uh and they're not the last or even the best but they do it extremely well yeah, there's some there's some fun stuff, especially with when they do like the parkour type stuff where you're like, you want me to do what now? Yeah. <laughs> and then it feels cool when you execute it, like things like where you're, you know, you're you're having to wall hop between walls on the left and right. But the left walls only exist in one timeline and the right walls only exist in the other. And um, I, I, I love the, games that do that, too, constantly there the, that have the experience of you want me to do what? Yeah. And uh, I think the the like silliest one is where you have to drop down a shaft that's on fire in one timeline and has like moving fans, fans in the other, and you have to keep swapping, uh, which like it feels super chaotic because you have to switch very often. It's like, look at what you can do. 
yeah, it's yeah. silly, but it's it's very cute. That's definitely yeah. one of those things that I I just decided like I'm not going to think too hard about why this is why this is the way it is right now. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, and and that that I think is is most of the campaign. They had great set piece ideas, mm-hmm. great great setting ideas that they wanted to do, uh, and that's you do them. Yeah, uh, and, and that's, that's the support for the campaign. Yeah, the the coolest thing about the time travel set piece for me, well, maybe not the coolest thing, but one thing that I didn't expect that I thought was really cool is at the very, I guess I had forgotten it from the speed run, uh, at the very end, you end up in a spot where time is frozen. And there's like this explosion with all this like debris and shrapnel and stuff. And you have to like like skip between the different debris to get to the center of the explosion and that's pretty rad like that's some cool imagery yeah, yeah it, it reminded me of the the last level of the hell of hell in um painkiller oh, no painkiller 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 has a have you played that carl um no okay just wondering I, i'm probably also might have it. also yeah no, well, no, of course not i, <laughs> no. I know about painkiller but i haven't played painkiller it. has a beautiful depiction of hell that is a series of war zones that are frozen in time. That's how they decided to depict hell, and I actually think that's kind of tasteful. But um, yeah. which is weird to say about painkiller. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it, it, it made me think of that, and I I loved I loved that too. And I don't I can forgive you for not noticing it in the speed run, Kitty, because they spend a second there. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm sure they go through it very very fast. They rail they just rail right through. But yeah. That. As you might imagine, the whole like swapping time periods to do parkour stuff looks real cool in a speed run. Yeah. Uh, the whole speed run looks cool because it's mostly yeah. technical. It's not yeah. there's not a lot of there's some out of bouncing, but even the out of bouncing is is kind of legit. I also thought it was very cute how uh, like you they do some they do like a cute little like you know wink with the the time travel stuff where you find a couple of like logs in the uh in the future timeline that people have like left on um consoles. Com- computers and consoles throughout the thing and there's one of them that talks about a fight that you have later in the level that's like oh man there was you know they they cornered us down by the elevators i i heard one guy took out like three squads of men um and uh like that's a that's a set piece you get to later but of course you know time travel shenanigans and i'm like that that was cute thank you for doing that so the time travel is probably the most striking and distinctive of their of their set sort of set setting mechanics um but before that comes also uh the the factory the automated suburbia yeah i don't think it's intended to be suburban households i think it's intended to be a live fire training course Definitely it isn't. I mean, that's explicitly, that's diegetically the intent, but it's supposed to be a live fire training course in in a suburban like environment. Hills, yeah. In like Beverly Hills. Uh, yeah. Which I thought was so strange. Yeah, Holy so God. it's, the, the entire sequence is you are moving through a factory that is putting together these like prefab houses. And so there's all these like conveyor belts that are carrying vertical surfaces that you have to wall run off of to jump to other parts of the factory or ride around for a bit in one of the houses or climb the house when it's sideways. And then at the end, you do actually get to do the, the suburban firefight. Yeah. And it, it becomes apparent that that's why they're building these. They've set up this whole fabrication like factory just so they can so, so they can destroy it later. It's, I, I wonder it doesn't make maybe... any sense because there's no way they're destroying them as fast as they're making them, given how big that factory is. But right, 
Um, I, I, it has kind of an aperture science feel to it, I think. That's a little bit. Um, but it was it was fun to to yeah. That's all probably yeah. That's probably the most like parkour and platforming heavy level, because the point is that you get separated from BT uh, early on. Yeah, poor BT gets picked up in one of the manufacturing claws. Yeah, just by a big, big fucking actuated arm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he can't get free from, and uh, and yeah, he's you're you're on you're sort of on your own and you have to run through. I don't know. I think it's I would say it's the second most parkour intensive, uh, next to the satellite. Dish. Yeah, I guess the satellite level mm-hmm. is also pretty parkour intensive. But also they're pretty intensive. It was there. It was in the factory when I first played through that I learned to just sort of let go, and trust the game, not to send me off a cliff. Yeah. If you, yeah, there if is you, a lot of sort of trust falls in that yeah. in that sequence. Mm-hmm. You yeah. have to learn to trust it. Because if you don't, if you try to control things, you're just gonna fall. You're just gonna crater. Yeah. And I mean I I often did like sit and watch a cycle of the platforming first to be like, okay, I'm gonna have to jump here and then they want me to like ride it for this long and jump off over here. Okay, I can do that. Like I, I didn't um like I trusted that they would like put me somewhere where I could be, but I didn't trust that I would be able to react to it fast enough. So I wanted to be prepared before getting on any of the walls. But I'm sure once you know the level, it's a lot of fun to just dash through. It, it is. It is a lot of fun, even if you don't know the level. If you can just so um, normally, uh, what what Ben Crawshaw calls calls leap of faith gameplay. Normally, that's a criticism. Um, it normally means that the the game is not giving you sufficient information to reassure you. For it just means you can't see the place where you're supposed to land, and you're supposed to just jump and trust that something's going to be there. Well, he he expands it a little more than that because it it doesn't it can be metaphorical. It can be any any context in which the game doesn't give you enough con- enough information to know the outcome of a high consequence action that you have to do. Um, but in in what Titanfall works to do and partially succeeds with is getting you to trust the game that it's your that the game will not hose you. They will not yank a platform out from under you and if there's a direction that you're obviously supposed to go in and can't see your way safe out the other end you will have time to react to it you will have time to figure out what it is you have to do yeah. uh, and they don't do it perfectly because sometimes like i got lost i got confused about where i'm going uh it, it was strangely possible for me to get going in the wrong direction in in some of those parkour sequences in the factory which i don't even know how i did that it, but, it happened to me a couple times as well. Um, so, yeah, there was definitely something off kilter there. But the other I, the other element of that, I think, is that um, during the parkour segments, you know, even if I did like miscalculate a jump or just like flub an input, when you when you fall off into a pit and die, it doesn't put you so far back oh. that it's a problem. At least in my experience, when that happened, it yeah, didn't seem like wires. Yeah, I will say I'm I'm not quite as gung ho as Huck is on the like they you know they they've got your back and like they're you know they're guiding you so well because there were like at least a couple spots in the factory level where I thought I could land on some geometry and it turned out it was just background that was too far away. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They don't always do it perfect. And there's yeah. another there's another situation where Hyla got was starting to get frustrated. And I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that all of us have gone through this. Well, I'll know in a second when I describe it. But it's, it's on, it's in the the when you're jumping between aircraft, 
Well, uh, that's a different, yeah, that's a different set piece sequence. But yeah. Piece, yeah, but it figures for the parkour. And what you have to do is wall run into the jump to get enough speed. And it's the only time in the game when you have to do that. And they, your, your instinct is to yeah. move close and see what you're trying to do. Okay. So yeah, since we're, since we're switching set pieces, let's describe yeah. the set piece a little bit. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a sequence in the nope, like no. later part of the game where there's a bunch of planes that are like, or, you know, like airship aircraft that are flying and they all have like these big open bays on the side sometimes to shoot out of or to like let mechs fly out. And so you do a lot of like jumping between through the air between the different ships. Um, yeah. And there's one jump between two ships where you have to get a running start on the wall. <laughs> and that was not clear to me. No. And it wouldn't be because your instinct with the jump is you make the jump and fail it. And then it immediately resets you. The instinct is to, to step closer and examine the jump but if you do that if you step closer and particularly if you're not running on a high fov you won't notice that the example they give which is other pilots are starting the jump with a wall run because they're behind you or above you they're above you they're yeah. above your camera uh so that that's easy to miss does this does this ring any bells for you guys i know i know the jump you're talking about and i think um i think i was stood far enough back and i did have my fov wide enough that i that i actually did see the other pilots jump yeah. off the wall first so i missed that particular headache so but i remember like, the jump you're talking about a little aggravating is the fact that it, it is just barely possible to do it without the wall run you're yeah not i think it did it. it without the wall run first time well the hell with you <laughs> yeah mlg pro gamer carl yeah for <laughs> sake. no like i i did the first jump and then i failed the jump off Oh, okay. That, that's that's when you fail because you don't you don't arrive far. Yeah, enough. that's the thing. Is also yeah, you yeah. don't fail the first jump. You okay, get to okay. the ship, but you you're too low if you didn't do the wall run, and uh, then you can't make the second jump, and that's yeah. very misleading. Yeah, because it it feels like you're failing the second jump. You don't realize that you're actually failing the first jump. Exactly. Uh, and if you just take a minute, if you just breathe and step back, it shows you. What, what to do. Or if but you if, have a big FOV, which I didn't. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you have to, you actually have to look at the other, you have to have the, the, the light bulb go on to look at the other. And I thought I was because I see the point at which they leave the ship, but I just like, I did, it didn't register to me that that would, they were leaving yeah. the ship from the wall. Yeah. And it, it and it, it works, it works because the wall run is faster. You have more, yeah. you have more. Velocity. Yeah. Which is also something that's not really like, that's the first time, the first, and I think only time in the game where the fact that the wall run is faster, like is meaningful to your jump. In, in the tutorial, they specifically tell you that wall running is always faster. Yeah. But they don't, they don't reinforce that. They don't really. reinforce that as like, oh, that affects your jump distance. Yeah. I mean, it would, it seems obvious in retrospect, but they don't, yeah. they don't. They don't, it's not well scaffolded because you don't yeah. learn that anywhere and you're at the damn end of the game. The tutorial was a long time ago, probably yeah. not in the same play session. So you've already forgotten that wall running is always faster. And even if you didn't, it's, there's no necessarily a uh, natural link between that and the, the jump distance you get. Yeah. So yeah, that, that one, that one was where they, they, they kind of dropped the ball on that. Although yes. I wonder sometimes maybe if they didn't do that on purpose, just to remind you. Uh, one of the main functions of the, well, not main, okay, actually, ancillary functions of the campaign is to teach you how to play uh, for yeah, multiplayer. tutorial for the multiplayer, I assumed as much. Yeah. Uh, which is why they presume that you've never played Titanfall. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's an important skill. The wall running is 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 actually 
players that can do it well will be will be greatly rewarded for it. Um, and yeah, and that's, so that's part of what they're trying for. That's also the set piece that ends with the fight on top of the Viper ship fight. where you yeah. have to fight Viper. Yeah. Um, so other other set pieces include uh, the arc gun. There's right. a point where you get a gun that like activates certain um, electrical like circuits, and so you have to be doing like parkour while turning on and off giant fans and things like that. That's a little bit of an interesting one. Yeah, I think that was actually probably my favorite like platforming segment because. Mm-hmm. I, I I do love the fans. <laughs> like it's it's such a it's such a lizard brain thing. Like fan make jump good, fan make run fast. Um, well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But boy, does it work for me. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is. It is a much more intuitive. Uh, I was kind of puzzled, but by they put that after the time shifting. <laughs> yeah. It seems more intuitive, but it's just that's just the sequence they came in and. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was and uh, the arc gun. Uh, also, like that doesn't yeah, make any sense portal. because the arc is like this giant, like time distorting power thing. But also, they made a little tiny worker's gun with it that you just use for a bit. Oh, and then... yeah. Well, no. So arc the arc A R K is this alien artifact that they're using to fire through fire a cannon through hyperspace. The arc gun A R C fires a big honking arc of electricity. They, they like they the the narrative implied to me that they were related to each other because like the because they came one right after the other like my impression was they didn't have a power source for these little electrical guns until they like found a thing I don't know and and it it seemed to me like the narrative implied that they were connected maybe they weren't um, but not that it matters that much the narrative doesn't isn't yeah that. We're not here yeah. for the writing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I really I really thought that like they might Well, I didn't think this. I hoped when we when I was doing the time travel level I'm like I hope at the very end of the game since this is like the power source for their big weapon, I hope when we're doing the big weapon like we get a chance like something really bad happens and we get a chance to use the weapon to like time travel backwards and fix it. Um and that the time travel would like recur. And make that that would be another set piece at the end, but no. No. They only they only did it the once. If you want to do only that, one. Kitty, if you if you want that experience, play play Dishonored Two. I was, gonna, yeah. I was just gonna say Dishonored Two. Yeah. And yes. Which does yeah. which does very is very obviously and clearly influenced by this game. Yeah. Uh, it does both things, the factory thing and the time travel thing, but harder. Much harder. Yeah. Uh, and brilliantly, um, and that's a whole nother. Wait, yeah. was Dishonored Two released after this? Uh, I'm literally just looking that up. I Dishonored would, I Two, double November eleventh, twenty sixteen. Right around the same time. Ah, uh, so yeah, like was, within a can't, couple weeks of each other. Yeah, I was oh, gonna say can't, can't have been, been an influence. Yeah. Been, right. They were basically released simultaneously. That they had the same. That means that there's some other title that they were influenced by. I mean, yeah. or it's just you know, the, these are some of the natural things you come up with when trying to think of fun set pieces. I, well, actually, I know what other title they were influenced by. Um, it's called Singularity, uh, yeah. and it's a kind of kind of crappy shooter from the from the early twenty twenties. Um, but um, yeah, uh, Dishonored Two does does both of those those things, but it, they do it more dynamically, and they do it. Uh, they they make to the 
this is only this is probably because they're fundamentally different games. Um, they make better use of those mechanics, or rather, Dishonored is able to make better use of those mechanics because it's more specifically a, a dedicated single player experience. Yeah. Which Dishonored two is, to... is I plug it whenever I can because it's one of the <laughs> one of the great tragedies. I'm of, trying uh, to uh... Dishonored two is so underrated. God. So underrated. Everyone tells me it's like the best game ever. Yeah, it, but not enough people played it when it came out to keep the series alive. It, it, they probably will circle back to it. What happened was yeah. the publisher, the publisher screwed them. Yeah, that too. They needed they needed just two weeks. They just needed two weeks. But no, launch window. It's going. It's broken. Doesn't run on PC, but they launched it anyway. And that wrecked the whole franchise. And yeah, which sucks because God I love God I love Dishonored. Is it yes, it is it is one of the biggest it's probably the biggest um publisher tragedy that even bigger than seventy six mm -hmm. that I've ever seen. And it just hurts. It's interesting what you say, Carl, because yeah, people who've actually played it when it works have nothing but praise for the game. Uh which play it, by the way, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun game. Um, yeah, I was I was literally thinking actually during during the um, the time travel segment in Titanfall two like I haven't played Dishonored two in a few years I should just <laughs> I should just play those games again. That happened um, to me the first time I played Titanfall. I went yeah. back and got the other Dishonored two. Yeah. I think that's actually when I got Dishonored two because I knew there was a thing like that. But yeah, I, I um I'll, then now see now I, I thought I thought I thought Dishonored was influenced by Titanfall, but it can't have been. It can't have been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So the uh, is the is the arc gun uh, set piece also the one that has the like like weird electrified walls, or is that a different sequence? I think electrified walls show up in a couple places. Well, the one where there, there's one where there's like the the like power factory, and you're trying to get to the center of it, and yeah, that's the if yeah, you run too high gun. or too low, yeah, yeah. Okay. If you run too high or too low, it electrocutes you. Which is tough because the doing the double jump puts you higher on the following wall, so you have to learn to not double jump. Which uh... well, Carl, you said earlier you have the problem of going too high. No, not me. Oh, oh I said that. Yeah, or it was Kelso. Yeah, of going yeah. of going over the. Well, yeah, I did that a couple times, especially in that yeah. sequence. Um, where it, it yeah, and in that context, it just straight up kills you. But in other contexts, um, where there isn't an instant death, um you know, hazard there. I just found that I kind of like bounced off the ceiling and threw off my trajectory. Yeah. I um, also found a couple times where, especially in the crane level, I went over the top of the wall. Like I missed the other yeah. wall because I was too high and just yeah, I went over it. That too. Is that you, you gain height. Your instinct is to try to gain as much height as possible because you don't want to fall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you yeah. don't, not, no, you have to you have to have. Just yeah. So so speaking of, that's another set piece that we kind of talked about a little bit already. But there's one where you're trying to like move this giant satellite, and it's sort of a construction site, and there are big cranes throughout the level that are carrying panels of wall, and you have to like get to the cranes and then move it to get a wall over to one spot to like run over there and do a thing, and then come back and then move the crane to a different spot to wall run in a different spot, and it's a. Uh, that that was also a pretty like fun and interesting weird set piece. Yeah, I, I liked that in that particular set piece. It's clear that they worked hard to have the cranes be effectively binary. Like you can stop them at any time, but what you're supposed to do is move them until they stop. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of trying to guess the right position, I don't. I don't. I think that would have annoyed me. In fact, that's one of those things where I'm like, I, I feel like the first one I did do like just halfway. Um, 
but like yeah most of the others yeah you you just do it all the way over yeah and usually the place where you're supposed to land is wide enough that like it doesn't fully matter if you if you're slightly you off know, not yeah. all the way over there yeah yeah um so it's, it's, yes it's got enough slack in the in the positioning mm -hmm. yeah any other noteworthy set pieces that i'm missing no, I like no. this, this game's chock full of them. <laughs> There's I really mean, you yeah. have a short segment when you when BT dies and but dies for the first time. Oh, oh yeah, okay. We need and to you talk get about like that a good gun. We yeah, we need to talk about that. We need to talk about that because you get the fucking survival pistol, which yeah. is just an auto aim gun yeah, that with infinite ammo, and I hated that. <laughs> yeah, it's because, weird because uh, for two reasons. One narratively it, it they're both narrative really one is it bothers me that like if this gun exists why don't all our guns have this technology yeah <laughs> right yeah. like yeah. If, if there's a gun where i have infinite ammo and can automatically shoot everyone i aim head at shoot. head why, shoot yeah headshot everyone i aim at why don't i start with that gun like why don't we all have this gun. Yeah, and that was my first thought as well. I uh, the conclusion that I came to is that it's some kind of like, uh, like off-screen um, Geneva Convention shit, <laughs> and that's the reason why everybody doesn't yeah, just mean, have that gun. I think narratively is reasons, that but... no. The the better reason I think that they're that they're actually going for is that it can't do that unless you pull the Titan's core. Well, yeah, but like, why not design a version of it that uses a an uncreated Titan core? You know, like that that just is that, yeah. right? Like, may, uh, maybe my, you can might as well have a mech. Yeah, have a my full Titan. My uh, like mental hand wave on that is um, the it it doesn't last very long. Like, there's no way to get a power source that powers that gun for more than like thirty minutes, and that's why it's your emergency backup. It's the sear pistol. What you're supposed to do in that sequence is just run, run, cackling toward the enemy, which are or helpless. Yeah. So th um, that's the other you. reason. That's the other reason that I didn't like that is because this happens at what is supposed to be the character's lowest point in the game, right? Like yeah. you think the mech is dead. You're all you got is a knife and a pistol, and you're like. You know, you're at your lowest moment. You're deep in enemy territory, and you have to like scrape your way out of it. Yeah. And the combat doesn't feel like that at all. No, the combat no. is like, woo, wee! I have a magic gun. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. and like that completely ruins the emotional beat of that sequence. And I, I that made me really mad. Yeah, a little, a little context on that. Um, the the seer pistol, uh, is is uh, I think almost like a joke about the first game the first game had that in multiplayer that had that weapon yeah uh which made it which was so nobody ever used anything else no uh actually it's let me get through the full explanation it's sure. probably the most controversial weapon design decision in video game history or at least it's a candidate for that um because it made the game accessible it meant that no matter how shitty you are at shooters mm -hmm. you could you had something to contribute it also made it, it demonstrated a commitment that a very brave commitment at the time uh, on the part of respawn to, to like they, they they made the choice not to make their game just for gamers just for the hardcore players 
They're like, no, mm-hmm. even if you even if you don't play shooters or if you're on a con- if you're using a controller, um, it wasn't crossplay, but uh, the affordance was still was still there. If you're yeah. using a controller, uh, you can still you still have something to bring to the table. It compressed the skill gap, and that's that's unpopular with a very toxic and vocal minority of players. Mm-hmm. But and yeah. but respawn very bravely decided to defy them and never apologized. Does it like does it ruin the balance though? Because it, no. it does feel like it would ruin the balance. No, if you're competent, if you're good with the assault weapons or the shotgun or any of the other weapons, then it's better. Okay. It's better because it has very it uh in in this is, this is a little bit true in the single player in Titanfall 2. Uh but in in uh single player in Titanfall 1, first of all, the bracket the rec, the acquisition reticle is smaller. Second, acquisition range is very limited. You have to be quite. You have to be quite close to the enemy for it to acquire them. Third, it does not instant kill them. It does not auto headshot them. You have to put three rounds into them, mm-hmm. uh, into most players. So it actually, um, it it has a low skill basement because any anyone can use it. Yeah. But it has a very. It has also a very low skill ceiling, because it is absolutely low, low effectiveness ceiling. Yeah, mm-hmm. It has a low effect. It has a low maximum threshold because it is more effective to use other yeah. weapons. And this made Titan like. I, yeah, I, that's um, good. That that no. that is a, that is how you do balance well like that. So yeah. I, and it was brave. Like back then, the the this was before Gamergate, uh, and it was no, a lot. No, it wasn't. Oh, sorry, Titanfall one. Yeah. I was gonna say. Um, um, yeah, I was, was saying like 2016 was not, but yeah, no, Titanfall the, one. The, the toxic core gamer community was a little more. Was probably a more powerful lobby. At that well, time. I mean, that was 2014. When was yeah, the height of Gamergate? It was 2014. I mean, yeah, it was 2014. Well then, good on them for for going right up the middle. Uh, Let me see. When that, did Titanfall One come out? Because I remember uh, March twenty fourteen. March twenty. Okay, so it was it was like I want to say right before because I want to say that Gamergate really popped off like that summer. Well, yeah. So the the Zoe Quinn. Uh, I'm on the wiki article. The Zoe Quinn right. incident was twenty thirteen. Yeah, so, so it was it was in the early oh, days okay. of Gamergate. Yeah. So even even better on them though for yeah. being for being brave and for resisting those that that mentality. Yeah, I uh, mean like that like it's it that that sort of toxicness didn't like existed before Gamergate for sure, but it was just it was just more publicized after Game, Gamergate. But I I think it was also more it was more powerful because it was an un, it was a problem but it was not acknowledged. And I, I it's I, I, also like you like i i'm hearing it i didn't play it so i don't know how it worked out in matches but i'm seeing some issues with it yeah uh, with the with the like smart pistol players like might feel cheated because like because there was an auto aim on them they just get auto aimed yes but I mean, if it doesn't do that much damage to player, you, you have yeah. to you have to get at, yeah. like you theoretically have time to get out of the way after the first shot. Yeah, right? but that depends on how good you are. Yeah, that's true. If you're um, not very good, then well, it can be problematic. Well, yeah, but then you then you equip the then you equip the same weapon. Yeah, but then you have to play that weapon. Right. Until you're until you're good enough not to. See, yeah, I think I think what, it what probably. If, I, I, I imagine it was a my, your mileage may vary sort of thing. That's a difficult thing to balance, and you, probably they did as best they could. But like, who knows? Like, I'm, defend, I'm sure. I'm sure the balance. Uh, I so you will see a lot of spew, a lot of a lot of toxic spew against 
the the pistol, but people that actually stop and calmly talk about it will explain that will, will are prepared to defend the balance. It is hard to balance, but they did in fact balance it. Okay. It is, and it is good. More people played and enjoyed the game as a result. Yeah. Well, For well every one person that's cranking about how this auto aim, how they died to this auto aim, there's ten people that are able to participate because it's there. Well, I, so, I, you know, obviously we'll have to take your word for it because none of us can speak to the original, but I can speak to, uh, it felt, it felt like cheating, but it also felt like too fun and happy for me to have for the sequence in which my companion had just died. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like, um, and it wasn't a, like, this is a, you know, revenge murder spree for my fallen comrade. Because I feel like if they had made it so you have a really weak gun and you have to, like, really claw your way out and kill the guys to get out of there, like, that could have had, there could have been a lot of pathos there. And even um, when you start that segment, like, after you pull out the core and you get the you get the knife and the, the auto pistol, mm-hmm. um the the objective that pops up is just survive. Yeah, uh, it's and not, it, it's not really what you're doing. It really trivia, trivializes. Yeah, that, like that you know clawing yourself victory from the jaws of defeat or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the music goes hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the yeah the music gets crazy, and th- the thing is, from what I remember, and I don't remember which one it was exactly, but there's a sequence later where I said to myself. This should be the time when I'm like triumphant and crazy and just mowing everyone down. Like, they, here's the moment where that belongs. Yeah. Like, it doesn't belong there narratively. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I wish that, I wish that that segment had been somewhere else in the game because yeah. it, it was fun. But I was, you know, like, oh damn, where, where is the emotional impact that's clearly supposed to be here? Yeah. Or... Another alternative is it's don't have the stupid like try to be sad about BT. <laughs> you just don't have that sequence. The narrative doesn't it's not that kind of narrative, at least to me. That's true. Yeah. I mean I I can uh, if I was a writer working on this game, I wouldn't be able to stop myself from at least trying to have some emotional pathos, right? Like I think your talents might be wasted on this. Yeah, game. like, I don't know, they would be. Um, but, like, you know, if you're someone whose job is writing, then, like, you tend to be the sort of person who wants to, do, to, wants to have good writing. Yeah, I... Mean, I yeah. I, I could have even framed it differently, where, you know, you pull out the core, and and you just have, like, a cheesy one-liner, like, now it's personal, and then you go off on your rampage. Have um, BT come with you, like, have, have it, like, not, not, don't pull the, like, oh, he's dead because he sacrificed himself for you. Like, have him be, like, a little piggybacking gremlin on your shoulder <laughs> that's, like, guiding you through. Uh, and he's like, you know, sorry I can't help because I'm just the light bulb right now, but, uh. I have him power the survival pistol like hey like you know I'm going to I'm going to get you out of here like I don't have my big mech but I can still do this I can like help you like guide this pistol or whatever you know, you, um, know you hold him against the pistol right Yeah like I know he's technically there with you but they don't acknowledge that yeah, they the, don't. the the yeah. the fact that like his core is his personality and you can bring him back isn't revealed until after that sequence yeah. uh when he talks to you again 
Yeah, they want you to go on a rampage. It landed for me. I like. I was like, I'm. I'm supposed to survive. I'm. Oh, I'm supposed to go on a rampage. I think maybe that's just because if you if you put a rampage in front of me, that's you're, usually gonna land. You're I'm satisfying usually, no matter I'm what. I'm usually going to rampage. You know? But did you feel sad though when you were rampaging? Because the scene immediately before that wants you to feel sad. I felt sad in the scene where I was rampaging before the rampage, yeah. But then I found, but that made the ensuing rampage more satisfying. All right. Well, it <laughs> hit for you. It it very much the opposite of hit for me. You know, it was nice to go berserk. Yeah. Uh, and that, that, so it landed for me. I understand why it's not particularly well implemented. Uh, it's, it's, I'm definitely on demo for this whole game. Yeah. Uh, which is why you're our guest today. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, um, and so it, it, it landed for me, but I, I understand the, the, the criticism in it. Yeah. In a longer and I mean, more narratively robust it's game. It's not that it's a bad set piece gameplay wise. Like, it's fine to have a rampage. It just was very emotionally jarring to me. Your narrative decision, yeah. 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 And then it and felt then... very, yeah, Ludo narrative dissonance kind of thing going on. Um, yeah. I, okay. So I, I guess that's all of the set pieces i can think of i'm probably forgetting something because there are a lot of them and again like they're all cool and fun to play and like very well designed like i was really impressed by the level design in this in this game in this campaign like i think that is by far its shining strength Respawn um, is really good at that and good for them right like that that made it a good experience and like don't come to it for the story nope. and you'll be fine we're not here for the narrative or the characters, although the characters are, are well... Characters are, again, like, they're fine, they're serviceable. I didn't, like, BT was the only one that I had any vague emotional investment in, even, like, even including the main playable character. That's, that's good, because they, they uh, with the possible exception of hating the, the leader of the Apex Predators, that is clearly the only character that they intended, that they that bothered. They spent any time. I like I like how yeah. they in the credits like presented all the NPC characters that was in, and I didn't yeah. remember any of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're only there for a second. I like the leader, by the way, of the of the SBS. She's she's cool. Yeah, I don't know. like here are all these cool characters that you met along the way. I'm like, who the fuck was that? Who the fuck was that? Yeah. Oh, there's that oh, cool mask lady. Who the fuck was yeah. that? Who the fuck yeah. was that? <laughs> right, like yeah. you don't know, you don't know. Who yeah, yeah. I, I did like that they that they showed them with their um with their titans because apparently the only people who are allowed to do like cool spray paint jobs on their titans are bad guys, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To be fair, you don't actually have enough downtime with BT to give him a cool spray paint job. Like maybe you're allowed well, to, but like you you get him and then you fight through a bunch of stuff and then he dies. So Yeah, but not even his previous pilot, who apparently was they were like besties uh even his previous pilot didn't didn't do any cool spray paint jobs like that yeah. seems like a missed opportunity yeah well that's just because that guy was a square clearly no that, that that makes sense the difference is the apex predators are a mercenary outfit yeah so they can do whatever the fuck they want whereas everyone else uh both the military the, yeah the militia and the the imc are military where you can't you cannot customize your vehicle you, that's bad yeah i also mean there is definitely a history of like putting uh murals on on aircraft that's a real thing in, yeah. in the american military no, like. no, no, no. it was a real thing well yeah okay yeah. that's fair yeah. And, yeah. You, and you can do it it's okay on aircraft because 
only the ground crew and the pilot are gonna. Yeah. Are gonna you yeah. can't uh, do that on real, like on a tank. Never, never, never. You cannot do that. That would allow uh, enemy combatants to identify who's in the tank, and you never, you cannot do that. Yeah. Um, I guess the. That's true. Here's here's how badly they do at characterizing the characters in this game. Uh, in one of the early sequences where you get like uh, knocked out, um, and like you know the the guy, the, your pilot friend saves you. Um, one of the characters rips off someone's ear, uh, and I don't think he eats it. In my mind, he then ate it, but um, <laughs> like, I don't think he actually does. Yeah. And then. Every new care, every new villain that we faced from then on, I was like, "Wait, was this the guy who ripped off that guy's ear?" No, wait, was this the guy who ripped off this guy's ear? And I didn't fucking recognize him because, like, there's no time spent on these characters. I recognize he has he's he's wearing a big fur coat and he's the German guy, right? Austrian. They're they're going they're ripping apart. On, on Arnold yeah, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, and he has like yeah. a notable costume and a fu- and a notable accent, and I still could not pick out which one he was. I like his bear. I like his bear skin, you know, coat. He, he, I believe. Yeah. So I don't actually know. I haven't verified that, but I believe they're going for Austrian because I believe they're going hard for Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think there was yeah, there was like a direct Schwarzenegger line that they that they pulled off. Now now that you have said that, I remember it. Um, uh, German speaker could probably listen to his his German lines and figure out which dialect or which accent it is. Yeah, not me. Yeah, <laughs> definitely and it's, not. It's funny because once again, like my my major point of comparison is Borderlands, which has a bunch of doofy one off villains. <laughs> and, and the thing is, like the way they do that is at the beginning of the sequence where the like villain is important, they show you a picture of the villain, then they have them constantly talk to you on the radio, and then you kill them at the end, and you can stop worrying about them. So you never really have to keep track of who is who, it's just the person you're fighting at this moment. They do that in Titanfall, too. They They sort of do! Like, the characters talk to you, but there's also, like, a bunch of them, and it was unclear to me like, when the person was talking to, like, okay, was this the character I saw in the beginning? Is this a character I'm gonna have to remember for later? Like, oh, was this a character that, like, was there in an earlier chapter that was, like, not the person I killed in that chapter? Like, I, I don't know. I, like, I, they were not, they did not have enough personalities for me to, like, differentiate between them. Here, here's the, here's the, the key. Here's why I was able to differentiate them. I just realized why that was. Mm-hmm. Why that would be difficult. The idea that these characters are riffing on. I guess that's true. And, yeah, because I've seen enough... I like I know Okay, yeah. This is not the antagonist, but he's set up that way. He's antagonistic. Um but uh uh that's the um that's what they're going for and that's why he's basically he talks entirely in, in what the Air Force calls brevity codes, which makes no sense. <laughs> um they they use brevity codes in the air force so that you can so that the guy so that it gives a narrative it feeds a narrative back to whoever's listening on the radio so that they can know what's happening um but it doesn't make any sense cuz who the fuck is this mercenary talking to yeah who cares yeah nobody's going to come and be his backup like <laughs> after or during it's not just that it's, who cares like 
like the Fox, he keeps saying Fox, Fox 3 and Fox 5, those are brevity codes for different kinds of missiles. Yeah. But it doesn't make... Yeah. He, and he isn't, he isn't using them that way. And I think they're doing it on purpose. Yeah, maybe. I think, I think what they do is they just, they just took a bunch of fighter jock transcript and just sort of shoveled it into this yeah. character so, and make him a little more ridiculous. So maybe the, maybe the narrative is intended to be more of a parody than I give it credit for, and that's why it's so bland and... Well, it's possible that, that they failed, that they overshot, that they're trying to stick this fighter jock, mm-hmm. and that they overshot to make him ridiculous. It's possible. It's, it's really a function of whether or not they meant to do it, because he is absurd. He's, yeah. They, they've I mean, taken... Um, but yeah, how is he so. different than, like, the tech jock who's in the beginning? Because there's a guy in the factory sequence who's also really, like, eager to kill you, and he's not using that language, but he seemed like a very similar character. I, I, I admit, I completely forgot about him. Because he's not based on a trope that I know. He's not... Yeah. That's, so I can name the Apex Predators that are based on a trope. And also the one with the mask, who's not really based on a trope, but distinctive and cool. Yeah. But I, I forgot about him completely, because I don't know what he's... I'm not familiar with whatever he's based on, if anything. The guy in the Ronin, right? Um, he's like the first, well, the first Titan boss you face, I think. Yeah, uh, is that, like, what's his name? Kane. He's like the, yeah. the like mad dog, uh, kind of like I'm gonna fuck you up and I'm gonna really revel in fucking you up in the most violent way possible. I think is sort of that archetype. Yeah, he's the guy with the um the scorch. Oh yeah, yeah. scorch. Yeah. Does does the final boss not have a scorch? No, the final boss oh. is, uh, that's a laser. In a, yeah. yeah, it's in the laser oh, she one. Has a North Star. She has a North Star, right? No, not the no. She has the one with a with a laser beam oh, ion. Oh, I think. Yeah, yeah. I never used the volt much. I don't really know what the deal with that was. Although it, the beam, the special is a, beam, is it a cannon. volt and not an ion? Yeah, uh, ion, ion. ion. Yeah, ion. Volt is the volt is the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's um, uh, yeah. Okay, you're right. I completely forgot about him. I don't know what he's. I don't know. He's the first one you fight. Also. And I don't know what, I, I have off. no idea about the personality of the final boss either. Like, I, I have no memory of her at all. I don't remember her. You know what? Her personality um, uh, sort of superfluous because... Did she did she appear prior to that final chapter? Yeah, there's calm yeah. chatter with her. Remember <laughs> okay. yeah. She's also in the satellite. You see her? Okay. Uh, yeah. No memory of that. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I feel yeah. like she shows up at the very... Like, when when you pick up like the the radio from the first guy you kill she shows up just to like i want to say just to illustrate that you are you know you're you're now party to enemy comms um and then fucks off forever oh yeah 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 (laughs) where she's like hey a you know a helmet was stolen so they're probably listening to us yeah the leader of the apex predators who i thought it's interesting because you don't get to kill him Mm-hmm. You know, even though he's sort of horrible, he leaves you the death card. But was oh, he I, not one of the people that you kill? No, he's he's the twist at the end where you're you're lying inside BT and disabled, and he could kill you. But oh, that guy. Oh yeah, I guess I guess yeah, that guy. It was that guy with the the guy with the ear. No, no, the guy with the ear is the guy that you kill in like the the gas field. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, Richter or Kleiner. Yeah, Richter, Kleiner. I think. Kleiner. Oh, Kleiner? Okay, Kleiner? I don't. Who, who knows? The guy, at the, end, the guy at the end throws a, his business card on you. <laughs> he, it's not his business card, it's a death card. 
it's, a, it's a like, business card. I mean, yeah, for, I know, for all yeah. of your mercenary needs, please, please call Blisk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, on this phone number. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Take this, you've earned it. But but it's it, it is cool that they write him that they write him that way that he's not like. Didn't even occur to me that you don't get to actually kill that guy. I guess I no. got distracted by how abrupt the ending felt. Yeah, the final boss. That. Yeah, she he, she fights you. Uh, she goes after you uh, pro bono, which is something that Blisk refuses to do. Yeah, you yeah. know. And I'm kind of I was a little scra head scratchy on that because he runs the company, and it's kind of weird that he would let his company resources be be depleted for a for a pro bono action. But I don't know. Maybe when you run a, a company of maniac mercenaries, you have to do that every now and again. Yeah, and also, like, clearly he could just kill you and demand more money as, like, a bounty or whatever from from the their employers, whatever, like, mm. big military outfit is is actually employing yeah, them. Was, like, you could wrangle more money. You get, on the, get on the horn with the MRC and be like, hey, I got I got this pilot here. Give me another, an extra 40 quat loose and I'll, yeah. and I'll do it for you. Yeah, and also mm -hmm. allowing allowing him to like destroy the the primary weapon of your client is probably not going to get you further like work from that client. Ah, but he is a mercenary. He doesn't want the war to end. No, yeah, no, I know, but like the point is that like um, he does want further work from this from like one of the sides of the war. No, so if they blew up Harmony, then the war would be over, and he would be out of a job. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and that's I, that's there. That's in the text, or at least in the subtext. They want to put the spin on that, that this guy's he is a specific species of evil. Yeah, uh, he's, he's the war profiteering. Yeah, like, exactly. He, he, yeah, yeah right. and he will take active steps. But he is to, not, he's not the guy who rips off an ear. Yeah, he has a South African accent. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, they, he yeah. also has a distinctive accent, and yeah. there were two characters with distinctive accents, and apparently my brain did not bother to differentiate between the accents. Um, I mean, it would be cooler if they gave like the character some room to grow and yeah. to like express themselves. Some and be characters. Unique. Also, I think it is fair. Like, I, I would say to an American audience. The like Austrian German accent is a lot more uh, distinct, just because of our media and because of how much we've got. Like, ah, oh, Nazis bad, Nazis the villains. Uh, yeah. The the South African like slash Dutch accent is definitely not as common of a one, and it yeah. makes sense that those would kind of blur together in my yeah, mind. Those kind of blur together. Yeah. He's a character from Blood Diamond. He's the antagonist from Blood Diamond. That's what it, they've. Also it's, a movie I've never seen. <laughs> and it's yeah. funny because I, I have had two separate teachers um, at two different schools in two different states. One of them was actually a Dutch woman, and then the other one was a South African, you know, Dutch man. So I, I actually mean, recognize the accent. <laughs> I, have a co I have a co-worker with a South African accent. Okay, like, yeah. it's, not, it's not like I never hear it, but I don't know. Like, I think it was just more of, like, never really, like, paying much attention to the comms chatter and like because you know i was always very focused on what i was doing when the comms chatter came up for the most yeah. part yeah that's that's the risk but it's optional it is not necessary and also you don't get a you don't get a picture of the characters ever you get like one when you first see them and then you you never you only uh, ever portrait, see their titan their really does no their their portrait does appear in in the comms chatter no it doesn't really i think, I think it does i don't yeah, think I, it does it's like a small 
yeah, picture, it's but it's, yeah. it doesn't like represent. I'm not it's sure not... I totally recognize a character by that portrait. It's not animated. Um, and it's also, it also happens in the middle of the fight, and it's a HUD element. And Kyla. <laughs> yeah, one of the many HUD elements I yeah. missed, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, well, it's easy to miss the HUD elements, and they never enumerate what they do or how they work. Do they and only have their portraits if you're, in the, if you're in the Titan, or do they also have the portraits if you hear them over your helmet radio? I would have to actually go through. And they may not always have the portraits. Yeah, but I think so. I I know that sometimes they have their com portraits appear. I you're not if you're in the Titan, you're never gonna you're never gonna notice it. You can't even notice the like no, I'm not the vital information that I yeah. need to be seeing. Like, like how much the fact that I, I have a shield. Oh, like I am unable, even though it's in big opaque white text right above the center line, I am unable to notice the salvo core on the salvo core ready. Thing. I can only hear it. I can only yeah. I only realize it. I didn't when... I didn't know that I had a shield. I just assumed that any damage I took was permanent. I might have played the the Titans very differently if I knew that I could like hide uh, and regen a shield. I'm kind of it's maybe to the good that you didn't notice that because <laughs> yeah, maybe. for you effectively that's true. Yeah. The shield your shield is made of wet cardboard. <laughs> in the you in know? the brute or in the North Star? Any in any Titan. Oh, in any of the your shield will absorb the first hit you take. Yeah. And then, and and then it's business. Like if you if you're against a scorch and you wander into a scorch field, you're done. Shield or not. Yeah. So so they don't want you to crouch and recover the shield. Maybe that's why they didn't emphasize it. Because it's not like um Halo, where managing your, your overshield is the game. Mm -hmm. Like it's not a resource they want you to manage. There are there were a lot of times when I was playing when I'm like, why why is this even here? You know, it doesn't, it, it lets you, I guess what it does, it lets you take cover and then maybe dash for a battery. Sometimes is, you can do that. The thing is, like, when I look, I'm looking now at some of the, like, screenshots of the HUD. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, like, yeah, there's a lot on the HUD. But it's not, like, the worst HUD I've seen no, in I, terms no. of the, the amount of information on it. It's just that there's so much you need to keep track of at such, like high stress moments yeah then it's, it's not a, difficult. I, I shouldn't say it's not a bad hud it's more because it, it all the information on it is mandatory you need all of the information and it presents it in a way that is not obtrusive it doesn't distract you from play but the trade-off on that is since it doesn't distract you from play you just don't notice it yeah and they and, because they don't tutorialize it you don't yeah. know what to look at um, the correct thing to do is yeah tutorialize it but given that trade-off i would say they made the right choice if you if you're wedged between it's going to distract the player from play mm -hmm. uh, and they're just not going to notice things information that might be important you got to go with the the first one yeah cuz you're sense. making a video game yeah i've seen plenty of huds that like <laughs> that fail fam well famously the mech warrior hud has elevation elevation uh, reticles on it which is for I guess for modern for the modern MechWarrior, I haven't played it, but I assume that matters. But in any of the MechWarrior games where I've played, it's really dumb that it has those. Because first of all, they're fully opaque. Second, none no. of your weapons none of your weapons fire on a rainbow, so uh, they fight that none of them fire parabolically. Yeah. So you have no reason to have to know uh, what the elevation is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I so in a lot of games, I think even on some of the guns in Titanfall too, you will see elevator sites and you will see other um real world 
citing like apparatus and conventions that is never used. And generally, if it's to the point where it's distracting, where it's not useful to have those things. You know, where yeah. you do, if you're not going to use, if you can't adjust an elevator site, then don't put it on the gun. It clouds up the frame. You know? Yeah, they, and they made the interesting choice in the with the HUD for the um, the Titan to put a border all around the outside to block your peripheral vision. Um, where they're like, here, we want you to feel like you're in a small, confined space. And I actually think that, like, I kind of like that. I think that it was pretty effective. It keeps your eyes in the center, in the center Y. Yeah. In that Y-shaped center of the, of the map. And it tends to, it's like glasses. It's like wearing glasses. You tend to ignore things past the, the little lines. But that's okay, because I, I think that, I don't think that ever has mattered. I think that also means yeah, that like you're you have less situational awareness in a in a titan which feels appropriate for the size and slowness of the machine a little more important yeah and it also makes you bigger like it makes it feel bigger yeah, yeah. that's true yeah. that's true stomping i remember asking kyla what her answer for infantry was and she said feet <laughs> well, no, he's like, I, you know, I hate that the, like, you know, this, this Titan doesn't have any answer for infantry. infantry. And I'm like, you can just walk over them. Who cares about infantry? Feet are my, are my, are my anti-infantry weapon. Yeah, it was the North Star, which really doesn't have a very good answer for infantry that you can shoot. But yeah, you're, she's right. You can just sort of. And that's ignore. actually not true because even a low, you don't have to charge the whole rifle yeah, to blast the infantry. So you just short fire it and it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Scorch has the same problem, by the way. He actually doesn't really have great solutions for infantry, but you can just step on people. And in the single-player campaign, that doesn't really matter, because they don't... The, like, the infantry can't do much to you. So so the needle that Titanfall... Um, that Titanfall's gameplay had to thread is very difficult, and I'm impressed that they pulled it off at all. I would have... If you had pitched this to me circa 2010, well, I wouldn't have understood the pitch, but um, if you pitched this to me uh, before I experienced Titanfall, I would have said that having a situation in multiplayer in which the experience of being in the Titan is joyous and um, is a positive experience, uh, I, I would say that the negative experience that this inflicts on everyone else would completely offset the experience of being in the Titan for a net negative. So the, the net multiplayer experience would be negative because most of your experience would be some asshole stomping on you. You don't get to stomp on yeah. people. But it does. It doesn't. Isn't like that. They they made it so that for most people, the few the, the minute or, or forty seconds that you get to spend in a Titan, is is a, a glorious rampage. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, that's lost in, in single player because of the way they structured it. Yeah. So I think I think Carl, for I, example, I think you'd have more fun if it was if it was more like the multiplayer because you just don't spend that much time in a Titan. Um. Yeah. So I think that's the. Uh... That's the game. Do we have any particular, um, like we usually we find, we end by touching on like some of the music and visuals. I, there's not a ton to say about the visuals. The levels look very pretty. I'm pleased that they're not all like gray interiors. Yeah. Um, it has good music, but I tend to turn music down. Yeah, like it doesn't. It's very generic epic music. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say it's it's yeah. it's fine. It's it's like the story. It's suitable, but not particularly noteworthy. Yeah. I feel like. So, um. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's Titanfall two. Um, like I'm not saying you what? should pay sixty dollars for a five to ten hour campaign. Oh, you can't now. I uh, I don't think they're selling it for sixty. I think they're selling it for at most 
like 40 but i think it's a 30 dollar title it is yeah. free on sale yeah in i fact, was gonna say free it's... on epic a while back <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it's definitely a game where like if it's on sale like it's a fun thing to pick up and stomp through yeah and if um, you like it a lot then bonus you can maybe play the multiplayer sometimes when it's working let me, let me uh, caveat that at, at your own risk listeners for the multiplayer we're not going to get into it right now but the multiplayer is fraught yeah there's the multiplayer has been down a lot but yeah, um and there's probably. there's a whole history if you want to go look that up go look that up what that deal is but um, uh, when functional it's a lot of fun but if you buy it on sale to play the single player campaign it's not bad it's not bad it's good it's fun it's also on ea play yeah if so you that... just want to get it for a month for the for the like yeah three yeah if you have that. yeah if you if no no it's it's fine if you have ea play uh, then it's great. You can just reach out and play the single player campaign and and move on. That's actually a good value. Yeah. In fact, that's cheaper. It's like fifteen bucks a month for that. Right, it's like four. Oh well, yeah, that's value. So, then you can just so just get EA Play for a month. Play yeah, this get a month of EA Play, yeah, and then cancel. Exactly. I I think we're entering into a, into a future where people are going to be woggling back and forth between different subscriptions. They're going to be yeah. bouncing between Xbox and EA and whatever Ubi has or will have. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think eventually Sony will be battered into having a feature like that. I wonder if they'll start introducing, if if they'll go carrot or stick. If they'll introduce, uh, like, you know, bonuses for if successive months that you continue to be subscribed, um, versus yeah. like punishments for ending a subscription, basically. That, that well, I don't think they'll ever they'll ever come at you for for because there there are certain in Europe in particular, uh, there are certain. Uh, commercial and antitrust laws that uh, you can't have like cancellation fees and things like that. Oh well, that you can't do that in the U.S. Um, <laughs> but that they they try to it's it's just unpopular to I don't know I don't know if it's a legal thing or if it's just like a, a cultural thing. But in a lot of places, it's really unpopular to disincentivize departure from a subscription service. I, yeah. I, I mean, how would you feel about that? Like so, no. Yeah. It, and what way? No, but I, like in, incentivizing staying though is definitely a thing. You could say yeah, like, absolutely. you know, first first month is twenty bucks, next month is ten bucks, and then every month after that is five bucks. And well, if you if you if you quit and start again, then you have to pay the twenty bucks. The, the, well, the traditional way to do it is to do it the other way around, which is give you a free month. No, uh, I know, but and like then you're hooked. Yeah. But like the uh, that that's actually not a great incentive structure, right? That incentivizes you to try it for a month and then quit. Yeah, um, um, I, I think. It, but it gets you in, so. Yeah, it gets you in the door, and then if you yeah. decide you really like it, you don't want to quit. So, like, that's yeah, fair. I, I think trying to retain people that it's aren't a, if really if good. the yeah. if the problem becomes that people are playing for just a little bit and then leaving, uh, and like switching a lot of services really often, like if that becomes a norm then I think they will have to offer some kind of incentives to stick around. Maybe, yeah. Right now, uh, what's what's happening is Microsoft is spending truckloads, but shiploads, shipping containers uh, <laughs> of, of money to lever up the value proposition of Game Pass. More, I, like, I'm at the point where it, I feel like it doesn't matter that they're like they add things to Game Pass. They're going to add the whole Bethesda library, and after that, I'm like, why do they keep adding things? Their value proposition is so is so competitive right now that you never know. That's so there's always the one game, that one guy that that you know? one person really wanted <laughs> that they're yeah. like, oh, that's on Game Pass. Get them into the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I think, I mean, the big thing for Game Pass for me is that they have, like, really compelling things just available at launch. Psychonauts 2, I've been playing Psychonauts 2, preloaded it, and came home from work, started playing it the day it came out. Um, same with Outer Worlds, whatever, yeah. a couple of years ago. Like, yeah, it's, I, I have not found a reason to unsubscribe. To you can't yeah. yeah, yeah, and this is this yeah. is by the way why I'm pessimistic about Sony's proposition in the next round of console wars. Oh, we'll see. Like we'll we see. don't have to get into that. This is already yeah. running very long we're, we're for our long. podcast, we're, and for such a short game. So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a good game. Um, yeah, good game. We enjoyed it. Uh, what are we playing next, Kelso? Yeah, what are we playing next? Uh, speaking of games that are on Game Pass, this is on Game Pass. Um, we're playing Going Under which is a dungeon crawl, roguelite, hack and slash game about being an intern uh, at a tech startup. Uh, and that is from Agro Crag, Agro Crag, Agro Crab, excuse me, games. Um, oh yeah, the win- little, Winter, little... Wintermore has the uh, Agro Crab seal of approval. Yeah, I think we, I think we, we have talked about this, I think, yeah, off, we've had a... off pod before. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that is what we are playing. And um, are we? Did, yeah, we're did taking we three. We're, we're taking, taking three. Weeks? three weeks. Yeah. yeah, we're taking three weeks because this is a little bit of a longer one, apparently. So yeah. yeah, like not like crazy long. It's only like thirteen hours or something. But the uh, the completionist listed twenty hours, and after chicory, I'm like, all right, I have to assume I'm gonna do the completionist time. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So if you are interested in going under uh, and want to grab it and play it with us over the next three weeks, uh, you could then, if you want to be a guest on this podcast, you can come and be a guest and chat about it or just chat about it in our Discord. Uh, there are many ways to contact us in order to do so. Yeah. Is this for, should I yeah. do? Yes, I do such, as Kelso. such as. You can find us on Twitter uh, at Feedback Force. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter at Kelso Timebomb. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter uh, at Kyla underscore go. Uh, and you can play my game Wintermore Tactics Club on PS4, Switch, uh, and Xbox One. Um, I guess you can find our Discord also. Usually there's a link on the Twitter. If it's expired, just like me- add us on Twitter and we'll, we'll get you a newer link. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at skug3. Yep. And how could you have any like social media contacts you want to? Yeah, if you some for some reason you wanted me to find me on Twitter, I can't imagine why anyone would want to find me on Twitter. Um, if you really, really want to get in touch with me for some reason, do it through Kyla, <laughs> um, or, or the Discord, which is simplest. Uh, in almost all contexts, I'm Jester two fifty six. That's Jester spelled wrong. J-E-S-T-I-R-256, uh, which I believe is also my Twitter. I don't know. I don't use Twitter enough to... Yes, you see, <laughs> you see the problem here. So if, if if some mutant out there wants to get in touch with me, that's, that's probably the quickest way is through the Discord. All right. All right. Thank you. Uh, so, so thanks very much for listening, folks. We did another episode. I'm always like slightly amazed that when we when we come out of an episode, even though we've been doing this for so long, it's like, oh, hey, we did it. Wow. Yep. And we'll we'll see you again in three weeks. Yep. Do it again. See you later. Bye. 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 Bye.